Hello everyone! Welcome back to Lorebeards. We know it's Wednesday, but it's been really busy for both of us around here a lot lately, and my sleep schedule has been completely annihilated uh, by poor decisions and nerdgasms, so uh, we're doing it this week on Wednesday, but we will be also doing it this upcoming Sunday, unless something else happens. But in any event, <laughs> we're all doing well. Uh, Loremaster Sojak here, of course, back with my co-host, Great Book of Grudges. And uh, there's a lot to talk about on today's docket. And we even have a fun new segment we're going to be really excited to show to you guys. But first thing is, of course, first, Nathan, how you doing? Good, man. Uh, <clears throat> trying to catch up on sleep and get back to a normal schedule after the constant drops and working on a bunch of different projects and so on. How about you? Uh, I am. I'm, I am in a similar boat. I've been reading a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, for people that are curious what I've been researching, keep an eye on my Twitter page. I've been dropping uh, hints that oh, no. Nathan keeps making into <laughs> Catboy references, which is not what it is, even though, you know, I'm sure in it the is. multiverse, that's a <laughs> somewhere in the multiverse it is. But 69 uh, hour video of Catboys. Uh, that, that's, that's getting dangerously heretical. Dangerously heretical. Uh, but uh, in any event, uh, think things have been uh, things have been good. I got a lot of cleaning done today. Finally, um, my room was let's get to that point where it was like smelling kind of off because Chloe sleeps in there so much and she sheds so much fur that like it's it's obscene. Like I have to the spots where she likes to lay, I have to vacuum them like two or three times just to get all the freaking dog fur. But um, managed to get the room all cleaned up and. Uh, Got reorganized, got all my books back on the bookshelf, at least, uh, that I'm not using at this immediate moment and trying to just get <laughs> stabilized. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right and uh, kind of been just getting things sorted. Got all the pieces of my black coach over here on my painting desk because it blew up. <laughs> so that's going to be my next painting, painting project is going to be putting it back together. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we are we are hanging in there. Uh, anything you've been uh, up to? You you did something cool the other day. Um, yeah. Uh, so I took part in a uh, in a uh, collaboration between Creative Assembly, um, uh, Cubicle Seven, and Games Workshop in a, a new form of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Uh, kind of like a new experience. Uh, I got thrown into the production side of things, which was stressy. Uh, and for the past uh, three weeks, I was constantly bashing my head onto the table, hoping for a swift end. Um, but it ended up going quite well. Uh, I think people quite enjoyed that. There were like a few technical issues, but like for some reason, the, the, the program on their end died and then it was just a, a weird thing. But I think it was a great experience. Uh, it was lovely meeting uh, Dave from Mini War. Lovely guy. Uh, Zeke was an incredible role player. Dave was hilarious. Baldy was like top tier as always, you know. Uh, Dame did really well. It was, I think, it was a, a nice experience for everyone. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of crying on my end in the background, and uh, at least I finally started learning stuff. Like I, I know how to use a stream deck now, man. I I, I used to look I, at I, it and go, I, yeah, I I've got one in a box sitting next to me because I'm like. I got one. I need to install. I don't know how to use it, <laughs> but, but I need to figure it out. So, 
it, it ended up becoming quite a good learning experience. It's something that, because um, I'm a big fan, as you are, of uh, Cubicle Seven's writings. They're they're quite good, and I was like, oh yeah, this 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 will be fun. Uh, obviously, thanks to Creative Assembly and uh, all the companies involved, especially for that Suneshi art that now hangs proudly on my wall. Um, it was a fun experience. I know that I will never be a producer in any way, shape, or form, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, if y'all haven't, uh, feel free to go check that out. Uh, I think it's on Total War's channel and yours? No, no, I didn't upload it to mine yet because it's like a five-hour thing and getting it downloaded is taking okay, so an age. I know it's then... on Total War's channel if y'all want to go see it. Yeah, that. yeah. Okay, great. All right, uh, moving on to the next thing. It's time to get caught up on Tale of Two Gamers. Yeah. How did I... Oh, there we go. So, uh, we've got... Wow, some people slipping in right at the end here. Uh, we've got a couple... We've got quite a few stuff to go over so let's not waste any time make sure you've got it set to latest and our first one is from baron lloyd who has a, just a ton of nurgle minis we've got sloppity bile pipers spoilpox scribner epidemius in the first picture and then we've got nurglings 60 plague bearers and a pox bringer just all the nergly goodness, and it all just looks wet. <laughs> it just looks wet and slimy. Oh my goodness gracious. That is so much... Man, I'm so excited for Epidemius, dude. I don't know when we're going to get him, but I know we're going to get him. And I'm so excited for Epidemius. Yeah, he's a interesting character. I quite... Uh, I, I, I love the Nurgle aesthetic, you know? It's just so cool. Do you want do you want the new demons like the like the sloppity bile piper and the the scrivener? I think like yes because <clears throat> demons exist throughout like reality doesn't exist for them they 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 if they existed in uh like Age of Sigmar 40k they kind of existed in Warhammer Fantasy because reality and time and you know very um timey wimey bullshit it's possible I mean bile piper would be a cool legendary hero wouldn't he? I think he'd just be a generic hero. He's not. He's not a special character. He's just a guy. He's true, like a, it's kind of like a. It's kind of like a like a hyped up musician. So he's like a really buff centric character. That's not very good at combat. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do definitely need more heroes because right now we only have two, and it's very obvious. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against it to be honest. Yeah. Another definitely. one for Baron Lloyd. Oh, it's a Bellacor with a blood soaked base. Nice. That blood, that that jelly turned out really nice. <laughs> oh, I love that mini. It's such a yeah. damn good, gigantic mini. Mm. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't have anything to add. It's just, it's just, I just love this mini. It is so cool. Like it's a shame that um, Bellacor doesn't look like this Bellacor. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird because like. The differences between them are not huge. Um, like the one we got has a like he doesn't have some of that armor uh, on like his leg and shoulder, and yeah. he doesn't have like his his loincloth thing is not as elaborate. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he's has quite as many like hooks and stuff in his wings, and then his face is slightly different. Like it's weird because they're so similar, but the differences are noticeable. 
I wonder yeah. if it'd be possible for them to update the model. I hope so. I mean, his tail in Warhammer 3 is kind of broken at the moment. It kind of um, plops to the side. It's weird. Yeah. But, I mean, like, like you get so little of them. Um, mm. I, I would love for them to take another whack at his model for hopefully yeah. when we get him in Immortal Empires. Yeah. But moving on, uh, we've got Ray showing up here with, I don't know what this is. I assume it's a Custodes <laughs> because it's very banana. Yeah. I think you know what custodian. it is. I don't know what it is. It's either Custodes or a 30k. No, this is a this is a Forge World model, isn't it? Or am I losing my mind? It's a golden boy. I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean it's cool. You've got the stone bolter on the on the. I wrist, like that he went uh... with a gold base. <laughs> Ray was just like everything will be gold. <laughs> All the things. Oh, I should like these as I'm going down. It looks great, right? Yeah, looks really, really uh, nice. Good use of the blue. I don't know. Blue makes a really good aesthetic. That that uh that glowy blue makes a yeah. very very nice aesthetic to uh gold plate. Yeah, it separates uh from everything because like there's so much gold when it comes to the custodians. So a little bit of color does help them pop. Yeah, keep at it, man. It's looking good. Someone says it's a custodies in Terminator armor. Oh, what? Ponchi has sent in a squirrel. <laughs> oh, it's the Blood Bowl squirrel, isn't it? Yeah, he sent in a Blood Bowl squirrel with an acorn. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Great. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good-looking squirrel. <laughs> it looks good. Reminds me of that time that... Uh... Reminds me of that time that Athel Lauren was almost destroyed. By a squirrel, though that squirrel ate uh acorn from the Oak of Ages, so it got like kaiju sized. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Uh he also, if we if we click on that uh image, you can scroll up and you see he actually submitted the uh chameleon skink um character from the warband, the um the uh oh gosh, brain fart, the um Underworlds, Seraphon Warband, which this is the easily the best mini out of that set. Um, really the new chameleon skink design is so good. Mm. He did a beautiful job on this mini. It is uh, that's all contrast paint then? That's um, really good. A lot of it. Do you see, man? Look at the eyes. He's got like the hypnotic effect you'd see in cartoons. God, hypnotoad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a hypnotoad look to it. Um, I I really really like this design. Yeah, it's it's freaking cool. The paint scheme is just really nice too. It makes it just it is really impressive. Mm, it's very dark, but it works very nicely. Mm. Next up, Champion of Corn sent in a Scarbrand, which will be very on topic for later today because we're going to be talking about some Total War Warhammer Three, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks great. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, that looks good. I like how there's oh, a demon head on the crowd. Yeah, he's got a bloodthirster head there, doesn't he? Yeah, it must have been an uh, extra one in the kit. He's using it as a basing. Looks good. That's cool. If you can, my <laughs> dude, I would recommend maybe maybe add a little more onto the base there if you can. If you can get some of the some of like the there's a there's a I forget what it's called, but there's like a blood for the blood god gore paint you can get that could make some like really cool puddles and stuff. You might try that out or, uh, but um, it. it 
the the mini um looks like it's turning out fantastically dude yeah great job champion of corn next up we've got a skaven doom wheel by tactical sign oh i love this mini like i think about how ugly the old doom wheel was and then i look at this one it's just like it makes me happy yeah i've got a lot of them myself they're, they're just <laughs> great miniatures very clean paint job mm. um like it's almost <laughs> it's almost like too clean <laughs> this doom wheel like just came out of the workshop or just came through a car wash um looks he did a great job on the warp stone yeah he the warp really, stone turned really out absolutely gorgeous that is great. Throw the Love wood. I think I think the only thing I'd say is maybe maybe dirty up like a lot of the metallic parts and the, the green tubes. But other than that, it looks absolutely fantastic. Mm, super, super cool. Next up, we got a different bloodthirster in from Heos06. I'm not sure which one this is, but it is a big angry boy. Incessant rage, isn't it? I think so. Uh, with the big old axe. So uh, cool. uh, where do you get those? Um, those look like orc skulls on the base. That's from the um, that's from the skull kit that GW sells. Ah, that would make sense. I imagine that gets a lot of easy use when you're a, a corn player. <laughs> really nice looking. Too. I I always love how just absolutely ripped the wings are on the the bloodthirsters like they're so goofily muscular <laughs> like it's just like oh like, it's like he bench presses with his wings <laughs> it looks great man i really like how the the axe turned out too the the part where it's got like some dried gore on it it turned out really yeah. nice that is awesome good job good job all right, uh, moving on. We've got what's next? Oh, Visarks uh, of the Unari Eldari by Kuro. I think this is one of their newer minis. I think so. Yeah, didn't these come out like recently? I think so. Uh, it definitely seems like a character model. It's very cool, though. Really liked how the base turned out. The mm. snow covered earth actually looks really nice. Yeah, it looks like a texture, like a texture, uh, like you get in a game type of thing, because it looks yeah. like. Uh, Especially like the weights on the boots and stuff. Mm. Looks way fucking better than when I try and do snow. <laughs> Why I don't try and do snow anymore. Because <laughs> it looks like ass. Uh, and the, the trimming with the gold actually also turned out very, very nice. Yeah. Looked great. Nice accents. Good job, Kiro. Next up, we've got a Tyranid Demicaron by Ooh. Raving. Oh, I love this many. It's just a... The, oh my god, that chest, though. <laughs> don't, never, I don't like it. I changed my mind. So, I don't... Oh, that looks painful. Why is it ripping its own chest open? So cool. Is there like a bonus mouth in there that I just can't see? 
Very, very cool. Man, I love Tyranids. I wish I wish they got more attention. I mean, obviously they've got a new book that is apparently the entire fucking thing is leaked onto the internet somehow. But usual. Uh, well, apparently, like the whole thing <laughs> is out, which is like unprecedentedly bad of a leak. I, I don't even think you can call that a leak. Like it's literally just like a piracy. Like there's just a pirate working at GW now, or uh, a playtester or something. Um, I imagine DW is not happy about that. But well, the uh, player base is quite happy because, um, from what I've been told, Nid players are actually excited now for their book. That's good. Hopefully, people will still buy it, <laughs> not just steal it. Um, as much as I shit on GW and their bullshit prices, like I don't think stealing from them is necessarily the best option. But um. Uh, yeah, it looks great. Looks great. Nice classic Leviathan colors. Looks absolutely fantastic. Then we've got a Doom Bull by Big Red Bear. And the mini is from Zealot Miniatures. And that is a, that is a excellent. Well, A, it's an excellent paint job. But B, Zealot Miniatures makes a kick-ass Doom Bull. They do. That is so cool. Jeez. It's really, really cool. Like, it's got a fucking um, mace on the fucking end of the tail and everything. That's awesome. Yeah, I I feel like this one conveys, like, a minotaur's size and design, so to speak. Yeah. Um, better than GW's does. I don't know. Like, GW's is, like, it... I feel like the problem with the current Minotaur and Doom Bull kits is that they knew they had to rank up on square 40 millimeter square bases. Yeah. So they're like they're like really overstuffed looking. Yeah. In a very itty bitty amount of space. You know, like this guy looks like he is more on an Age of Sigmar size base, you know, kind of that nice rounded base. Uh, and has a lot more room to work with that you could then just put on top of a square base. Yeah. I kind of, so you cool. know, I kind of, I almost kind of hope that in fantasy they maybe we go up just a little bit on most of the base sizes. Yeah, it's uh, something I've discussed with some of my viewers. It's like get the basic infantry to twenty-five mil, get the bigger infantry to thirty mil, and just upscale everything a little bit just to. Have yeah, up everything space. by like five or ten millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. That was a great model, man. Fucking yep. hell. Next up, uh, from Night in Flames, we have a beautiful kit bash. And that. and of course, Night in Flames paints just like just look at all this sh look how much shit is going on on this. I don't have that. I don't have that. Uh you don't? On the nope. Lorebeards hashtag? It should be on March 13th. Only thing I have from 13th is Rowan. Really? You don't see Night in Flames? Nope. Hmm, hold on. I'll just... Hold on, I'm going to cheat. Just going to drop it in our comment section <laughs> real quick. Uh, one second. I've got to... Turn off Discord so nothing gets seen. Cause it's a it's a damn gorgeous mini. Like that's weird. 
I don't know why I can't see that. The disc yeah. is like, oh my god, it's so elaborate, dude. Yeah, now I see it. That's 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 fucking awesome! Wow. And he does like that great job with the flames, like ugh, ugh. That's a nice looking mini. This is a kit bash too. Jesus. Yeah. That is. Uh, it looks like, like a Zongor really Shaman cool. on disc taken up to eleven. Yeah, definitely. That is fucking cool. That's great, man. Cool. Then we got Rowan the Accused, and Ro Rowan always does such clean, like crisp paint jobs, man. He does, yeah. His towel are just. His basing is also like absolutely incredible. Ugh, he does very good work. Love the pathfinders; those are cool. I actually, yeah, I really like the gray color scheme. Uh, like the mostly gray with red accent. I mean, they all look fantastic, but uh, man, his basing is like it's so crisp. Like the way, like that literally looks like if if I go out in like fall or winter to the like the the some of the earth that's down over by these baseball fields, that's exactly what it looks like. The way it's all cracked and stuff. Yeah. Oh, looks incredible. Mm -hmm. And then I. Oh god, what was the last Lord Beards? <laughs> I think it was like uh, the sixth. What was it? Wait. Oh wait, but we didn't we didn't do it the last Lord Beards. Okay, so we're still going. We're still going. We haven't done uh Tale of Two Gamers in a while. Yeah, so let's let's we'll keep plowing forward. Alright, so Goat Force sending in freaking Titan Boys. Ugh. I, I cannot imagine anything more intimidating to paint than freaking Legio or Daxis Reavers by Goat Force. These are cool. They look great. Like, it's just, it's so much model. <laughs> it's just so much model to have to paint. Oh my gosh, they look great. The rust looks really, really good on the feet and the, the barrels and the cannons and stuff. Like, I... I Looks very, very nice. He's got those beautiful, like, decals, uh, I, I think is the right term. Yeah, yeah, decals. Yeah, it just looks awesome, dude. Looks absolutely awesome. He's a super cool. And then Prince Baron, the super ego, sends in a uniquely made, I guess, a kitbash casket of souls. <laughs> I, love, I love that it's carried by mummies. <laughs> uh i feel like he literally took a took a page out of the like from total War warhammer how they like carry the anvil of doom it's like well let's just carry the casket <laughs> this is from tt combat miniatures apparently that's cool though i will say the way they're carrying it makes me feel very much like they're about to throw it yeah. <laughs> like it looks like they're about to like shot put that shit <laughs> across the battlefield <laughs> Looks great, dude. I love I love the colors. I love the way the stone turned out. The mummies look great. Uh, the the I, I think the mummies in particular look very very. The, the bandaging looks very very mm -hmm. nice. That's so cool. Then we've got uh, another piece from Baron. He's got Drycha. Oh my gosh, I love Drycha, man. 
That's so cool. They still have her on sale, right? Uh, I believe so. Well, there's there's two different Drychas now. There's the classic fancy Drycha, which is this one, which I think you can buy. It's just a branch wraith. And then there's the Drycha Hammer Dreth, which is the mecha crazy shit one that I also love that many. Um, even though it gives a lot of people trypophobia. But, um, yeah, this looks great. Shoulder pads, yeah. Looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, very, very cool. Then we've got a... Oh, actually, <laughs> we've got another piece from Ray. I think this is a different... No, no, this is the same guy we saw earlier. This was the work in progress. Oh my god, though. But the next thing Ray sent in is like... Damn. Okay, he said this is a friend of theirs. So it's like a Chaos Warband... Oh, dude, look at that. I don't even know what that is. Like a warrior of Slanesh? Uh, no, that's a Drakari. Oh, Drakari. Man, it looks fantastic. Yeah, and Abaddon too. Nice. Like with that basing and the, the colors. Oh my gosh. Very, very cool. Oh, and then they got a um, uh, discount Archeon. What's his name? Abaddon. Abaddon, Failbadon, that guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Failbadon the Armless. Yeah, the, well, he's the less now. successful Archeon. <laughs> <laughs> uh awesome mini though like i love his like how big his presence is he looks great the gems on the drakari wow yeah that that drakari model is like oh man so okay cool. and okay that's i think we're caught up yeah we're caught up or we're okay we're gonna say we're caught up and if we if those minis that come after that are minis you want us to show off and we didn't a we're so sorry but we gotta move on and uh just resubmit them for next time i'm sorry <laughs> uh, i'm just not sure how much we missed but uh hopefully that'll <laughs> okay. okay 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 so uh next up on the agenda is of course a fun segment that everyone loves and nobody ever complains about <laughs> because whatever reason, but it's time for a who would win, which we skipped last time uh, because we were really tight on time. Yeah. So uh, I saw this one uh, suggested in my who would win arena uh, discord thread. I am an asshole because I, you know what? Hold on. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to look up who it was. Just gonna block my screen for a sec because I'm not gonna. I need to be better about that. Hold on. <laughs> um, I want to thank. Where is it? Where is it? I want to thank Alator, Alator from my Discord community for suggesting this matchup. Um. Okay. So. The matchup is, Archon the Black. The uh, the Lich King and most favored Lieutenant of Nagash versus Kugoth Plaguefather, the uh, the brewmaster of plagues and the the favored son of Grandfather Nurgle. So, as we always do, I'm going to give a brief rundown of our two contestants, a brief reminder of the rules since it's been a week, and then we will hash it out. So in one corner, we have Archon the Black, 
the terrifying Lich Lord, the uh, the the blackened skeleton himself, uh, who for whatever reason didn't show up blackened in Total War Warhammer, but whatever, that's fine. Who, of course, is a terrifying combatant. As anyone who's played multiplayer against Tomb Kings knows, he is a proficient caster at the lore of death. Uh, one of the best, they say. And he does bring quite a few interesting things to the battlefield. He will, of course, be riding on his signature mount. Uh, it doesn't have a special name, but he has a flying chariot. Uh, which the chariot is, of course, uh, it's not uh, it's not floating like it does in Total War. It literally flies uh, and is able to zip across the skies and through the battlefields and stuff, which is important for him because it allows Archon the Black to avoid really nasty situations, uh, especially when he's dealing with someone like Cetra. He relies very heavily on that flying magical chariot to keep him away uh, from getting carved to pieces by pissed off Tomb Kings who might be over to overwhelm him in combat. As far as his skills go, uh, he, of course, is a powerful wielder of the Lore of Death. He does also specialize in necromancy. Uh, he has the ability to raise the dead. And most uniquely, uh, Archon is one of the very, very few characters in Warhammer Fantasy who knows how to resurrect Tomb King dead and Vampire Count undead. Um, I really think the only other person that knows how to do that is probably Nagash himself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's a really, really cool thing that he brings into it. Uh, as far as what kind of fighter we're dealing with, Archon is surprisingly tough. Uh, he's actually, you know, he is a Tomb King, essentially. Uh, he has gone through uh, a lot of very powerful uh, enhancements to his immortal body as a spooky skeleton. And he is much stronger and tougher than you may think. Uh, he's much more on par with a powerful ogre as opposed to um, a man or a skeleton but he's quite durable his body is very very resistant to damage and he can hit surprisingly hard when he needs to however um he doesn't really have the best resistance against sustained damage uh though of course he is able to use little tricks to repair the damage that his body takes and furthermore, if he gets into a combat scenario, that's not where Archon's strength is. He can hold his own in combat, but he's not going to be really, you know, saving the day and uh, claiming any major wins. Uh, he's a skilled combatant, but he's not like, you know, Tomb King level combatant. He's more almost uh, like a, a slightly less skilled Tomb Prince. If you were thinking about combat capabilities. However, of course, he is a very powerful wizard. Uh, he's one of the most powerful wizards that we know of among the undead. Uh, he is considered pretty much an equal to Manfred von Karstein when it comes to magics of ma uh, magic, uh, which is uh, pretty impressive. And furthermore, uh, he does have a pretty nasty selection of magic items. He does have the Tomb Blade of Archon, which uh, basically... The way that we're going to work this, because the way it traditionally works is more of Archon kills people and then immediately resurrects the person that dies uh, to uh, serve them. Uh, he literally, like, stabs someone, and if he kills you with it, the sword causes your body to be incinerated, leaving behind a blackened and charred skeleton, much like Archon himself, and uh, that skeleton then uh, works for him now. 
but uh, it does essentially channel energy uh, from the damage it causes into another source. So in a desperate situation, he could theoretically use it uh, to cut, say, Kugoth Plaguefather and heal himself a little bit, but it would be very not, it's not designed very well for that. Um, but, uh, you know, there is that. Another thing is, of course, he has the Staff of Nagash, the original uh, Staff of Nagash uh, that belonged to the big man himself. And basically what this allows him to do is that uh, the Staff of Nagash is an artifact that is designed to store lots of magical power. So it saps the winds of magic around it and stores it in the staff. So as he's blasting magic at someone or uh, uh, working his own ability to um, uh, dispel and unravel an opponent's magics, any uh, winds of magic that are gusting by them that is not utilized in a particular spell or moment is eaten up by the staff, which allows Archon to basically take advantage of of even if a spell slips out of his control for a moment, he basically is able to bolster and prepare for a next fight. And then, last but certainly not least, is of course the Liber Mortis, which basically uh, is it's one of the nine books of Nagash. It's one of the original nine books of Nagash. It's not a copy. It's one of the OG ones. And wielding it makes Archon just a t very, very scary wizard. One of the strongest wizards in the setting. Uh, like, he's he's up there with the big boys. Teclas, Manfred von Karstein, um, you know, all those guys. Because he has that, you know, on top of his own capabilities, it's just, it's a lot. Uh, but uh, there are two little things we do need to note about him. He is, of course, uh, Neher Karn Undead. So he's not going to be bothered by a lot of the plague nonsense that Kugoth will bring unless he unleashes, like, a type of bone rot type of... Uh, magical plague but uh he's not very easily bothered by like flies and all those other things uh he is flammable not really gonna matter against kugoth but you know good to know and then of course he does have the curse upon him and Ar archon is actually very famous for his iteration of the curse because after he was killed nobody touched his body for a very long time because everyone was scared that uh archon warned them all that whoever would try to move his corpse would die a most horrible death and everyone was too chicken shit to test his theory on that. But it is true. Uh, if you did manage to strike down Archon the Black, uh, a, a terrible curse would befall you and it would hurt a lot. Yeah. And then on the other corner, coming in at God knows how many pounds, we've got Kugoth Plaguefather. The uh, Plague Weaver. The Rotting Pox Maker. So Kugoth uh, is one of the most favored demons of Grandfather Nurgle. He's certainly uh, the biggest and baddest of the great unclean ones that we know of in Warhammer Fantasy. And as far as what he brings to the table, Kugoth is, a, he's tough. He is a big, mean, tanky boy who is surprisingly skilled in combat. Um, in some iterations of stories, he carries a flail with him. Obviously, he doesn't use it until more Warhammer because they use uh, much more, honestly, I think, exciting animations of him, like, slamming nerglings together and stuff. But he has shown up to battlefields carrying more traditional weapons, uh, though he is more than capable. But he's, he's strong. He hits like a truck. Uh, he's much more akin to a dragon's level of strength and capabilities in combat, though he's even tougher and more durable. 
Obviously, Demons of Nurgle uh, specialize in being hard to kill, stabbing them in the gut, piercing their heart, deflating one of their lungs. Doesn't bother them nearly as much as it would a normal person. Uh, and he's a tanky boy, but he can hold his own in combat. Kugoth is a very skilled combatant. Uh, not in the sense of, like, you know, fencing per se, but he's quite capable of defending himself and smashing someone to pieces with a superior uh, strength. Uh, of course, uh, his palanquin is carried uh, by a swarm of nerdlings, uh, just this disgusting little tide of uh, uh, nasty things that are giggling and, you know, gnawing and attacking at an opponent that gets too close, uh, though obviously their height is very limited, <laughs> especially because they're busy carrying the palanquin. And uh, Kugath, fun fact about him, he's actually not that skilled of a wizard. Uh, a lot of people think Kugoth is, like, an amazing sorcerer, but he's not. <laughs> he's actually one of the worst wizards uh, among the greater demons. Um, uh, if you wanted to deal with a a much more... Uh, that That's actually kind of not the focus of Nurgle's special characters being wizards. And that's something that actually separates him very heavily from the likes of Rodicus Rainfather from um, Age of Sigmar. That Kugoth um, is much more of a fighter... And, of course, an artillery piece. Because um, while he doesn't... Like, he's capable... You know, obviously he can use magic. Um, he's not the most gifted at it. Um, his magic tends to be more of augmenting his own prowess and using his sorcerer's abilities to try and mess with other wizards as opposed to unleashing great terrifying spells. Um, but he makes up for it because of his nurgling infestation. Which is, of course, that Kugoth himself is infested with Nurglings and often reaches into his guts and pulls out Nurglings and throws them at people. And he is terrifyingly accurate with those missiles. <laughs> He's pretty good. Um, that's actually his most notable ability is that he literally will... Um, sorry, that's the necrotic missiles. Uh, my bad. Uh, the necrotic missiles, he's literally just launching uh, Nurglings at you. And if those things hit, it hurts. He can throw Nurglings with a surprising amount of force, and they are dense little balls of just magical disease that will ruin your day. Because it's literally like being hit with a horrible acid that eats through any armor you might have and will infect you with... Because Kugoth makes plagues on the fly um, in his little cauldron that he usually has or around him, and he'll dip his Nurglings in himself or wherever he's retaining this new plague he's cooked up and throw it. So he's able to make a disease to deal with whatever situation he's in at, you know, as he's fighting. Um, and uh, beyond that, of course, then there's the Nurgling infestation, which is that that swarm of Nurglings, you cannot reliably kill them. Because uh, Kugoth is literally so infested with them that they're constantly pouring and spawning from his body. So even if you were to somehow attack or wound the Nurglings, he would uh, literally just, they're, they're back. To the extent that, and he's pouring out so many nerglings that he even causes like nergling swarms to start gener regenerating around him, uh, which is so. <laughs> if if you put these two in a more uh, a fight where they're both kind of wielding all their advantages, you would literally have Archon's skeletons versus Kugoth's nerglings while the two of them are battling it out. And then, of course, the last things notable about Kugoth, yeah, he does have the slime trail gift which means that he has copious amounts of this thick, disgusting, mucus-like slime that is constantly trailing around and behind him. 
that makes it where if you try and attack Kugoth from an unconventional angle, probably not a great idea because it's so just like thick and corrosive and nasty that you're not going to be able to do like a quick hit and run. Um, if you get too close to Kugoth, that stuff's going to slow you down and muck you up and get like in Archon's chase, it's going to get in the wheels of his chariot, slow down his steeds, and it just isn't going to give him an advantage from striking from multiple angles. Uh, and then beyond that, of course, being a demon of Nurgle, uh, he has poisoned attacks, which does matter, uh, even against the undead. And uh, being a demon of Nurgle, he's constantly swarming with flies that try and distract people in close combat. So, long-windedness over. That's the matchup. Nathan, what are your thoughts? It's kind of tough. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of tough. Uh, would Arkin have his mount? Like yes. The, he, yes. With, with uh, the fly so special rule and everything? Yep. So Archon's on the flying chariot of doom, and Kugoth is on his palanquin. Very tough matchup, to be honest, if we look at it that way, because because I think I think we both would agree that if Archon was not on the chariot, he would just die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kugoth would just go, <laughs> just shark. I might have to go with Archon due to speed and Law of Death. Law of Death, we know, is really really powerful. Uh, though Kugoth could have a really good shot and just like knock him out of the sky. Uh. We'll kind of break it down a bit. What, what, what are your thoughts on what, what do you think would go down? So if we go with both, I'd uh, if we just see like one-on-one -on -one and all that usual stuff, Arkin would have to be moving around super quick to be able to dodge pretty much anything that's thrown at him, which is doable with the type of mount that he has because like, you know, fly was always a bit strange. Lore-wise, it's a bit slower though, but it's still a chariot. Korgaf would be able to throw a lot of explosive nerdlings though. Um, magic-wise, Archon beats him for sure. Oh yeah, Archon has him, like, hilariously whooped. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with the whole Archon thing, because Lord Death is just, like, really, really strong. I don't think Kolgath will be fast enough to react. Oh, thing is, when you look at a great unclean one, it's usually, you know, slow, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah, they're, lum they're lumbering. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think he'll be able to react as quick. Though, mind you, if he gets a hit, he gets a hit. Like that takes out Arkin without an issue. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go Arkin. I'm gonna have to go with speed and lore of death because it's just it's it's what makes sense to me at the moment. <laughs> uh, okay, don't forget to do a poll. Yeah. Oh yes. Getting mine set up now, and then I'll give my thoughts. So I do think you have some really good points there. Like the, the lore of death is a terrifying lore. Um, it very heavily specializes in sapping the strength out of your enemies and wearing down their spirit. And there is, of course, the, the unholy abomination that is the purple sun, uh, which um, even to someone like Kugoth is pretty nasty. <laughs> it's pretty a horrible thing to deal with. Uh, if it got a direct hit on Kugoth, it could deal a horrific amount of damage uh as basically a purple sun from a lore standpoint it's actually much scarier than it is in total war from a lore yeah. standpoint it's this horrifying um like it says a, a purplish sun that appears like a purple star but it's in the shape of this giant skull and what it does is it it flies around 
and you basically just if you cannot ward it off via magical means you just have to get out of the way uh because yeah. if it basically manages to touch you with its magical aura it turns your body into amethyst crystal and you die instantly um it is a horrifying spell um it, now it, it's like super dangerous on uh warhammer fantasy 8 too i've seen it demolish a unit like oh, a yeah, whole well, it was army. Just, it was busted uh yeah. in eighth edition uh because it had some goofy rules that it shouldn't have had but surprisingly kugoth is faster than he looks <laughs> kugoth does actually have the reaction time um uh with his nurglings and him being like heave <laughs> to starboard uh that he actually stayed a very very good chance of avoiding it um from killing him and the thing is, while the lore of death is very strong, it does tend to specialize much more in trying to exploit the spiritual or physical weaknesses of someone or their attributes. I'll say spiritual or um, physical attributes in order to harm them, which strangely enough, Kugoth, I think, is very resistant against. But th that makes sense, right? Because the lore of death is... It is Nurgle's kind of patron lore. It is it is a it is the lore of magic that Nurgle is most uh, dedicated to. Thanks for the raid, Lionheart. Good to see you. We're, sorry, we're in the middle of chatting about something. Good to see you. Um, so, um, honestly, I I think that despite the fact Archon would overwhelmingly have magic in his favor, I I don't think it would be enough to save him, because yeah. if one of those necrotic missiles manages to strike him. Uh, it actually has a very reasonable chance to just kill him outright. Um, uh, like, a good chance to kill him outright. Um, yeah. But at the very least, his chariot would be horribly damaged. And the thing about Kugoth is Archon's only way to kill him would be through magic. Because yeah. Kugoth is way tougher, and he is a vastly superior combatant. Um, Archon would have a horrific time trying to just hurt Kugoth uh, with non-magical means like the the his tomb blade is uh very nasty um yeah. but it doesn't have any like notable effects to buff archon's very considerable strength um or like get through the magical nature of kugoth's defenses like would he be able to cut kugoth's skin absolutely but would that actually hurt kugoth no <laughs> you gotta you gotta hit really hard to deal with kugoth um so I, I'm going to go with Kugoth Plaguefather because just because he has multiple victory conditions and that if he can like when Archon like tries to come in close uh, to maybe make it a little more difficult for the necrotic missiles to hit him or uh, uh, Kugoth's able to force him close by, he would just obliterate him. Uh, and if he manages to hit with one of those Nurglings, it's pretty much game over. Um, and Archon's only way to victory would be to take down Kugoth through magic, which, granted, he could absolutely do. Um, you throw enough purple suns at a problem, <laughs> sooner or later it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it's a great fight. Uh, I appreciate um, uh, that matchup from the Who Would Win Arena. See, people, I do actually go in there and check. <laughs> and uh, um, my chat is about to finish voting here in a second. How did yours turn out? So far, 67% to Arkin. Okay. And mine is going to wrap up here in just a sec. 
TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And while that's coming in, oh, uh, Nathan, for those people looking for a theme for Tale of Two Gamers, did you have one? Sorry, it's just I've not been, well, I've been painting, but I've been painting other stuff at the moment because I'm getting ready for some things. I am putting uh, broken stuff back together. Yeah, I, I've just had to build up some freaking plague toads and slam my head because I hate the resin model so much. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> let's say... Well, plague toad, what about a beast? Yeah, beasts. beasts. Monstrous beasts, creatures. So not be... necessarily monsters, but creatures. Yeah, yeah, War Beast sounds good. That'll give me a reason to actually finish up this Jabba's Life, which has Great. been looking at me on my table for, like, the past three weeks. And just a reminder, you don't have to do the theme. It's just there for someone that has, like, a plastic graveyard and is like, oh, I don't know what to paint. Uh, so it's it's there for those people. <laughs> if you've got something else you want to paint, feel free to do that. So with my chat, 56% of chat went with Kugoth Plaguefather. 44% went with Archon the Black. Hmm. Awesome. All right, so next on today's docket, I can find the stupid thing, is, ah, yes, Cubicle 7. Okay, so um, pretty exciting announcement, um, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about our thoughts about it. Uh, Nathan, why don't you, why don't you uh, tell us what's on the up and up? So uh, Cubicle 7 just recently announced something else that's coming out, uh, hopefully at some point, uh, soon well they're quite fast with releasing when they do announcements anyway uh called up in arms which uh, i've discussed in videos before they've already uh they're doing some more expansion to the empire law keep in mind that obviously the empire is the main focus with warhammer fantasy in most cases but there was some really interesting stuff because they're gonna like go into detail regarding the knightly orders which i think is freaking cool and it looks like they're going to put a little emphasis towards uh, Talia and Dogs of War characters, which is going to be really, really nice. Because if we go back a while back, they did show off uh, some new Araby art too, didn't they? Yeah, so Up in Arms uh, has been described as... Uh, I think I've got a little uh, lore blurb here. It is described as... A history of the role of mercenaries in the War of the Old Worlds, including the background and rules to support playing Tulane characters and other dogs of war. Mm -hmm. um, presumably, there are, there may also be some knight-centric stuff in there. Um, yeah. But it does seem like it's going to very heavily feature on Tulane and the dogs of war specifically. Mm. Which is so super exciting. Really cool. Yeah. Very, very exciting news. Um, so, uh, yeah, it sounds really, really cool. I mean, <clears throat> Cubicle 7, keep in mind, uh, for those not aware who are more centric to Total War Warhammer, is that uh, Cubicle 7 have been the people keeping Warhammer Fantasy alive post-explosion, you know? So we do kind of have a lot of respect for them. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be frank, um, they've done an amazing job. Uh, I am yeah. playing through the main storyline they released, which they, they basically took one of the original super duper duper famous storylines, which is called the uh, the Enemy Within campaign, um, uh, which was back in second edition uh, uh, yeah. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and they modernized it. And the thing they did that was so cool was instead of just releasing it and being like, we updated the rules, but it's the same thing. They made it where it's in the modern setting. So the whole point is you basically start with the Empire as it was back in like 5th or 6th edition fantasy. 
and as you play through the campaign you get to you as the characters get to help influence events and play through the campaign that builds up to the eighth edition warhammer fantasy empire which is so exciting Um, and you get to play through events that are canonical um so like when you start off um playing it uh, whether you're the gm or the players you may look and go oh i don't recognize like some of these imperial provinces well the reason is because they haven't uh there's some things that still have to happen uh so you get to go through those events um i've been having a lot of time uh, fun with it uh i believe my group just finished book one um and i'm going to describe what happened but just note that what i'm about to say may not necessarily happen to your group there's a lot of ways the story can change and alter um and my group did a lot of really cool things we also made some apparently poor decisions but uh my my group the ending of our last major session um we thought we succeeded but no we failed utterly to stop a ritual that summoned Cairo's fate weaver into the empire's imperial city of bogenhofen and uh the city was pretty much raised to the ground <laughs> and we fled as people were being transformed into chaos spawn and fire was raining from the sky and just it it was bad <laughs> it was real bad so uh yeah <laughs> things are a little dicey for our group right now but uh hopefully when we get to play on this next sunday uh and we start getting into whatever the second book holds in store for us we can uh maybe find a way to rescue the city but um yeah it's fun it's fun stuff but yeah. in any event um is there anything in particular you think you're looking forward like like is there anything that you're really 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 hoping to see in up in arms that you think will be in there um well you know they did promote that uh Arabi artwork in the back uh like what was it like last year at some point was it uh yeah near the end of last year yeah so i'm i'm hoping for maybe a bit of context with that because a lot of people seem to forget that Arabi was part of the dogs of war um a little bit of context regarding some stuff I don't know what we'll we'll get. It would be cool if we got some deeper lore given the cultures, because obviously with GW kind of alluding to the fact that we might have split cultures now, I I, I kind of want to get like a bit of context because obviously most we know about Talia is like they have leaning towers as their battle towers and so on because of course they do, you know. I mean, yeah, we 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 have a decent amount of um, lore for. Talea that's survived uh from like the the fifth edition dogs of war book which is 95 percent about Talea. Um, yeah of course the warhammer fantasy roleplay actually gave us a lot of Talean information um, yeah that being said it, it of course was very sixth edition in the yeah. sense that sixth edition was very um like factions were had a lot of very silly things to them and a lot of the silliness was like core to their identity um, mm-hmm. Like the silliness was the point. <laughs> it's, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. In seventh edition, eighth edition, they they definitely focused a lot more on like actual world building, um, yeah. and trying to make like actually interesting stuff. So it'll yeah. be very interesting to see Talia updated. Because I mean, what Nathan said literally isn't a joke. There's a whole thing in Talian literature about how like um, Leonardo de Mergliano built a leaning tower and it caught on as like a fad. 
So, like, there's a whole thing in Talea about all the nobles and wealthy people try to build, like, the tower that leans the most without falling over. And they're just, like, these absolutely ridiculous things. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean, I'm hoping that we get a bit of a change. I'd love to see, you know, Talia stay more, obviously, Renaissance Italy style and then get some uh, Estalia maybe in the style of the Inquisitions. Yeah, cool. um, well, especially because I, I was actually doing some interesting reading lately, and it seems that pretty much kind of the, the major separating thing between Astali and Talea, because there are some notable similarities. They they used to be the same country once. Yeah. Um, they were both originally conquered by the mortal incarnation of Mermidia, and then when she died, um, the nations eventually split. And so they both have, like, this obsession with the Mermidian cult, where Estalia claims the mortal incarnation of Mermidia was born in Magritta, whereas the Talaians say, no, 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 she was born in, uh, I think, Remus. Um, or... No, matter, I mean, one of the Talaian yeah. cities. Um, and it's like, it's like a huge, like, dispute between them. Uh, yeah. However, um armies that they've kind of been focused against have been very different, which I think could lead to how we might see them evolve more interestingly. Most yeah. notably, the Estalian kingdoms have faced two massive threats. Uh, the first is, of course, the Arabians. Uh, mm -hmm. When Sultan Jafar very unexpectedly um, invaded the Old World, um, he invaded Estalia. He didn't even go to Talea. He just went for Estalia. Um, and he, he, it was ugly. Like he yeah. took Estalia. Um, a lot of people were enslaved. A lot of people were killed. He burned a lot of cities down and stuff. And when he saw the old world come for him, he was like, oh shit, I gotta go. Um, yeah. and he peaced out leaving only behind, uh, Emir the, uh, Emir the Cruel who, uh, ended up being killed in the siege of Magritta. But, um, and then they all, of course, chased him down and fought, uh, eventually brought Sultan Jafar to justice. But, um, the, so you have that major incident, which Talea completely avoided. And the other thing, um, which is much more recent, um, actually it's not much more recent, but it's, it's fairly recent, uh, was the, I believe it's called the War of Blood. Um, and that war was, there was a big big scary vampire um who's uh i, I believe his name was um uh, it was nekruo nehuko something like that but there was this terrifying vampire and to put into perspective how scary this guy is this was a set i um if you consider the original vampires as first generation this was a second generation necrarch yeah. So this was a Necrock vampire who had lived in Nehekara while it was alive and was one of Wazorin's acolytes. So this is like one of the scariest sons of bitches you could possibly go up against. And he went down to Astalia and just, oh, just dominated them. Um, basically everything between, um, their, the Irana mountains, which is their major mountain range and the, uh, the Southern sea got completely torn to pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only way, and like Estalians put up everything they had to try and stop him. 
And the only way he was defeated was that he was taking a bunch of artifacts because he wanted to become super powerful and stuff and he was looking for knowledge. And he eventually fought his way to the the holiest site of um, Magritta, which was the Temple of Mermidia. And he went in there to claim the, I think it's called the uh, the Book of War, or um, uh, which is like one of the holiest artifacts belonging to uh, Mermidia. And when he went in there, he went in there alone, and then all of a sudden his armies just started falling apart. And when the Astalians finally managed to get into the temple, they found that all that was left of the vampire was a pile of ashes next to the undisturbed artifact. So, uh, from what I can tell in all the lore I've been reading, um, it does seem very much to me that the cult of Mermidia, like the true Mermidian influence, is with Astalia. Astalia are the religious zealots. Like, when it comes, and they've got, like, they've got uh, Mermidia truly and fully behind them. Whereas Talea, to me, feels more like the arts and the sciences and merchants and mercenaries. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see that divide. Like, obviously, Mermidia is still one of the, is like, is one of the, if not the principal deity of most of Talea. Um, mm. But I would love to really see them kind of still bickering over that. But the Astalians to really have, like, the scary, like, like the real focus on the goddess, uh, and all of that, and be much more with, like, zealots and all that stuff. And then on the Talayan side, we have more of, like, these crazy inventions. Um, and, of course, like, like you said, Renaissance theme, a lot of really, like, interesting guns, pike and shot. Uh, but, then of course, you've got, like, the Roman uh, theme coming in from the city of Remus, uh, which has the, it, which has its own unique gods. Uh, the twins of, I believe it's, uh, Lucan or uh, Lu Lucarzen, Lu 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 something, and his sister Lucini. Uh, yeah, I think, and um, they're like they're worshipped as gods, the twins that founded the city, and they yeah. uh, they have a very very unique system of soldiers because they fight the way Romans fought. So they've got like those big shields and the swords, or, and they they fight with like the really cool formations that everybody loves the Romans to do. So Talea having that kind of fusion of Roman soldiery with Renaissance tech and tactics, I think would have such a cool theme to it. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that uh, Lorenzo Lupo model for the first time. I was like, this doesn't fit, but it does because it's weird. Yeah, you know? well, they're, they're like, I, I, I think of them kind of as like a knightly order. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a specialist group, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, that being said, um, my biggest hope that I'm really praying for is I hope they retcon Borgio the Besieger so he's still alive. Well, I mean, I, I don't know because they'll probably, uh, if we get like Talia for Old World, uh, like obviously Total War can just bring him back, you know? Yeah, I know, but um, I just I just liked him. Like the dude was the first guy since Mermidia herself who's united all of Talia and then he just dies in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah he has such a stupid death i think he's technically cool. killed by a spoon uh that was poisoned by his sister-in-law which it's like yeah like it, the whole thing about borgio is that he was like impossible to kill and then he gets he he dies a very silly death <laughs> but uh i'm very excited for the book um uh personally based on how they've talked about it i'm expecting uh 
knights, like a lot of, because we know Talea has a shitload of knights. They've got tons of knights. Um, so uh, I am very much expecting up in arms to be like a lot of rules for knights, um, though much more in like the mercenary sense, not like the jousting or any of that, which we'll probably see in a Bretonian update at some point. Um, but I, I just, I really hope it's going ham on the Dogs of War and Talea specifically. That being said, if Estalia, Border Princes, and uh, Araby show up in it, which I consider to be part of the Dogs of War race, I would not complain. Yeah. I not complain at all. I mean, any context from them would be great because um, they, they just, they, they write stuff really well, so. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, they've been doing very clever things lately. I mean, I mean we talked about last time. The yeah. taking the Dreadmaw, which really didn't fit anybody, and putting it with the Naga of Koresh was, like, brilliant. Like, great movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Alright, so, uh, speaking of knights, I think. Oh, no, that's not yet. Oh, okay, we're into the fun topic next. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, okay, here we go. Uh, so, um, our next topic is the main topic for today. Which, uh, yeah. So, obviously, there is, unless you live under a rock um, or are smart and just don't get on social media of any, of any kind, including Reddit, um, you are probably aware that there has been a lot of discussion uh, raging right now about Total War Warhammer 3. Um, particularly about the launch. Um, and the state of the game as it currently exists. Uh, though when I say currently, I suppose I mean it pre-patched because we like just got a patch like two or three days ago. But the, the patch was more like stabilization stuff. It wasn't really like fixing any of the... Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, Nathan, what? I don't know where you want to start on this, but... Right, well, before anything, I don't want to see people arguing in the chat about this. We're going to discuss and we're going to have a discussion like adults, okay, everyone? I know that this is a very heated topic for everyone, but we all want the same thing from this series, and I just don't want to see arguments left, right, and center. Uh, let's just talk, yeah? Because uh, it's it's important. I know a lot of people are very passionate and so on. I am too, so take us too, but let's discuss. Okay, so things obviously didn't go out uh, so well uh, for Total War. Um, there were a few issues, some bugs uh, kept creeping back. Um, let's be honest, the launch could have been better, but this is Creative Assembly, and I don't think through my history of knowing CA, there's ever been a <laughs> good launch. And the I've been playing since <laughs> I yeah. Think if I I could be totally wrong, but I think maybe Three Kingdoms had an okay launch, but um, I don't remember that well. It was a bit weird too, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an important discussion. Uh, obviously, myself and Sotek are uh, content partners and so on, but we've been seeing everything. We've been seeing. We've been keeping an eye on stuff, especially because yeah, there's some bugs which. Come came back. I mean, uh, let's be honest. They did say that the gate bug was uh, was gone, and no, the gate bug is apparently back. Um, it's it's a bit of a disheartening thing, of obviously considering that this is the 
the final game in the series, obviously uh, loads of hype and so on. But shall we start off with campaign first and let's talk about the campaign? Uh, sure, that's, that's a fine place to start. Yeah. Okay, so the campaign itself had some issues. Uh, a lot of us highlighted them in previous videos and so on. <laughs> He's got <laughs> um, Jack gets rowdy. They get, yeah, they, they get they get they get the stick. <laughs> so uh, the campaign had a lot of issues, mainly because rifts were coming up too close. This is something that a lot of us complained about. Uh, the race feels like you're being forced into it, unlike, say, for example, the the vortex, uh, where the vortex, where I think the eye of the vortex in Warhammer Two was handled a lot better. Uh, you didn't have to actively take part until later on, where you could at least relax with it. But, yeah, I, I sympathize with people with that. Like, uh, I, ha I had so many issues with some of the realms getting forced into the realms. Uh, the realm of Zinch, particularly, is, uh, is not good. I'm just going to outright say it. I hate that realm so much. Whoever designed it, obviously, is very Zinchian. Uh, but I, I hate puzzles. I'm a brute. And um, it causes a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues which could have been solved with either spreading out the rifts, the spawning points, which instead of every 40 turns, it could have been like 60 or 80 to make the campaign last longer and make you still allow you to feel Total War. A lot of people are saying it doesn't feel like Total War, and it kind of doesn't, because in most cases, especially if you play in harder difficulties because you want more hectic battles, you are kind of stuck there where you really don't want to expand it's 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 not done so well. I am a big advocate for the toggle, turning on the campaign or not. Someone already made a uh, a very good mod for it. Uh, credit to Drunk Flamingo for the fantastic work. But there should have been a toggle to give us the option. You know, there should have been just for people to enjoy Total War. You've had a long day at work. You don't want to be forced into a campaign. Uh, and I sympathize with the players after a long day. I just want to play Total War. I just want to see demons doing cool shit. Uh, because that's what a lot of us like to do. You know, it's Total War. You, we, we like to look at the models. We like to look at them smash into shit and all that. I still think that the story was well written. Because, like, it is Warhammer, right? The story is Warhammer. But having a toggle option to allow people to experience it once or twice or three times, depending how many times you want to do it, it is in fact the same campaign through, what, 12 Legendary Lords? Um, it's the same thing over and over again. Once or twice is cool. Doing it over and over is exhausting, in, in, in the most polite way of speaking, because the, um, the story being written is nice. I like the story. But this is still Total War, and I'm expecting Total War. Right. Yes. Um, so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in here. With some of my some of my thoughts. I I agree with a, a lot with what you've said. Uh, I do have. Um, I. How do I say this? I do find it f almost kind of funny, to be honest, that like the vortex campaign everyone hated. Because it was a system of don't know where the attacks are coming from. And you just had to build up everything super defensive. 
and it, it was just it was just annoying and they somehow managed to find like another annoying system but it's it's not yeah. the same system it's a different one so it's not like they're making the same mistake twice but instead it's a system where you, you can't dodge it like it just it's just in your face yeah um and basically um you know you have to keep like i i think all of us would agree that the chaos rifts right now are a little too intrusive um there needs to be a way to properly um there just needs to be a better way to deal with them in that they show up and you are basically forced to either have a lot of heroes on standby um or um make it where um like or you just got armies running around trying to close them and stuff and they just dump out tons of corruption which feels super unnecessary um like it's like they're already spawning demons and characters why are they also dumping just an ass load of corruption on me um yeah. i i agree the rifts are too much right now um yeah. that needs to be like rolled back also yeah. agree that not all the chaos runs feel very good um mm -hmm. like corn and slash i think are pretty solid um zinch i don't hate his zinch as much as i used to because someone in my chat pointed out that it's not actually a maze it just pretends it's a maze it's just a circle <laughs> so like when you show up in zinch's realm you can only choose between one of two options so just pick a direction keep going until you arrive on an island that has three portals instead of two portals and on that one you actually have to guess and it'll either take you immediately to the end or it'll take you basically back to the beginning in which case you just run back through it and then take the right right path so like once you know how it works it's actually a lot simpler because you could just like speed run it however i will say it is complete bullshit that it eats up all your movement every time you yeah. teleport or interact yeah. with anything i don't understand why they did that it makes the realm infuriating um when it did not need to be um in my personal opinion uh because like if i have a ton of movement you know it's it, it feels like an unnecessary punishment like i should just be able to run through portals until like a zinch army gets in my way or something or yeah. I run out of movement yeah. But uh, I, I do think Zinch's realm and Nurgle's realm need another look. Yeah. Um, I also think that something Legend of Total War has said that I, I don't agree with everything he said about the game by any means, but I one thing I do very much agree with is that there needs to be some kind of reward for beating a demon prince. Yeah. Um, right now it's, it's totally like it advances enough. the story and that is it. And that is mm -hmm. just, it's just not a good enough reward, man. Yeah. <laughs> Because you, you have no, uh, like, say, for example, the best example would be the Realm of Sinesh. You have no incentive to go to the Demon Prince because... The yeah, you're incentivized not to. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, there is no reason. The thing is with the Realm of Zinch with me is that the AI still knows exactly what to do and usually gets there super, super quick. And that's my problem, because I had that in a stream once where we got there, but I had to defeat uh, Scarbrand and I had to defeat Kairos, because Kairos was right at the demon portal after spending a lot of turns there. And that is extremely frustrated, if, because the AI is obviously not going to go play by our rules. And it's like, I'm sorry, but you're giving a leg up 
when the, the objective is to let people play through the story and there's just so much going on, especially I like to play in some harder difficulties and I'm getting swarmed left, right and center because player bias is happening. And I mean, you even get that in normal mode. Player bias is happening, you're getting attacked and you've barely expanded to make armies to defend yourself because you have to make heroes or because uh, obviously heroes are the best way to close those portals, aren't they? Well, depends. But I, I, I do agree that um, with the Rift system, the player bias feels very unnecessary. Um, like, I, I, it made, honestly, like, I, I could see how it made sense in the Vortex campaign. Yeah. But in this campaign, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, oh. Like, the point of the campaign is not to wipe out your opponent's empire. And it's yeah. not for them to wipe out your empire. Um, yeah. It is to win the race. That's yep. it. Um, and whereas the Vortex had your empire as an intrinsic part of that race, because it's like, oh, some of your cities are the Vortex cities. In this game, your empire has literally nothing, no bearing whatsoever on the game, um, which I, I could see why people say it doesn't feel like a Total War game, because that's very antithetical to a Total War game. I don't, I don't hate it. I think it was a really cool experiment um, and I think it's an interesting system in and of itself. However, I do think it makes the the wait for immortal empires much more glaring than it would have been otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I do agree. I think the rift should be possible to turn off. Yeah. Um, or, or like, you should be like I. I would love to have a setting that they add at the start of the campaign where you could just choose how often the rift spawn including a never option <laughs> where it's just like oh the rift spawn every 20 turns every 30 turns 40 turns 50 turns and then never so if you want to go for a domination victory great go for it yeah um i don't it I, I, this the, and this is something i'm going to talk about in the near future in a video but something that i think has kind of come to a head with Total War Warhammer 3 is that I don't I I'm not sure what it is but whatever system Creative Assembly uses to test the game to figure out yes this system is good no this system is not good this needs to change this needs to change I think whatever system they use for that is grossly bad yeah like maybe it used yeah. to be good but i think it's bad now yeah um i i know for a fact that ca has testers however it it's very it seems very cloak and dagger or, or very clandestine and to me that feels so silly in the modern yeah. age especially with ca because like ca leaks so much and it's not even, most of it's not even malicious. It's just like some stupid ass group that's like, oh, uh, we're Russian. So we put the thing out a few hours early because we bad at time zones, <laughs> you know, or something. Um, or it's like CA literally does it themselves. Like they literally revealed Boris um, before. Boris didn't leak from anybody else. That was on totally CA's fault. And I just... Like, even if the group maybe isn't public, like, I, I could see CA not wanting to do what the um, Larian Studios does, where they have, like, yeah. just the huge public betas. Like, I could see that being too much. 
but i do think uh, the existence of whatever that group is should be public and i think it should have public applications where people are able to say hey here are my system specs here's the amount of free time i have and here's the kind of gameplay i like to do yeah. and they could look through that roster of applicants and say bring on this guy bring on this guy bring on this guy because let's face it this launch proved two major issues in my opinion which is that a not nearly enough people were test playing the game and beating it to realize you know what this chaos rift system is really frustrating especially when i've beaten it like even if i want to take over the world i can't because the rifts are eternal and it's this is agony and number two the game was horribly optimized for many systems I still um, can't play on a 4K monitor. Yeah, I like, frame like now. Yeah, there there are tons of, like I'm not one of them, but there are tons and tons of people who are having horrible issues with the game, which to me says whoever they're like wh whoever and wherever they're testing these games, they do not have a diverse uh, set of systems. Because those seem to have completely flown under the radar. Um so I like I personally think the launch went well. Um, and my, for me personally, like obviously there are a lot of people who are playing the game and like, oh, I hate this. Like to me, the game feels very good um, overall, but I also am not having any weird system issues. And I also like, uh, I, I, I enjoy the system for what it is, but like, I, I realize that I am, um, probably a minority um or uh at least among the people that are discussing their opinions on the game on uh a minority but um obviously the game has a lot of issues and like i hate saying that like it needed more time in the oven when like obviously it needed more time in the oven but i i really really am starting to think that ca's obsession with like like complete secrecy is really screwing them more than anything else right now. Yeah. Of like, I think it would be way more interesting um, for them to have like a fairly public group, like on the forum where they're like, Hey, or a discord server where they're like, Hey, play this. Let us know if it sucks or not. And like, keep in mind anything you see in this group, like you can have them sign NDAs, whatever. But like, I don't think it, like, I, <sighs> I feel like it would almost be better for them to reveal the things they're going to do in advance so the community could go, oh, that's cool, or oh, that sucks. Because if they had come out six months before and were like, hey, we're like, as we're developing this game and stuff, um, like, Bellacore can be playable if you beat the campaign. If at any point they've announced that, the entire community would have gone, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> like, like Bellacor is only playable once I beat the campaign and he's a regular Lord with barely a unique skill tree of any kind, barely has a unique trait and he can join any army. Like, I feel like the vast majority of the community would gone. That's dumb as shit. Don't do that. And they could have gone, hey, Oh, okay. Let's pivot on that. That's my issue. If the game went through loads of testing, which it, it honestly doesn't feel like it. Uh, who did they test it to? Because anyone would have gone, oh, Bellacore not playable as a legendary lord. 
just if you beat the campaign, so you're pretty much done already, so you don't want to, you, you want to just start again with a new faction. Who, who testing that would have gone, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Like, why not, did they not test it with Warhammer fans? Uh, Total War Warhammer fans, or just Warhammer fans in general, did they not have a diverse group of testers, not just people who play Total War? Because if you're going for a Total War, just Total War thing, they're maybe not too keen on Warhammer and so on. You can't have the same testers going for all the same games, can you? Because it, it's very, very different. <laughs> yeah, that's... When that Watch that end up being the real secret reveals. All the testers are historical fans. <laughs> That's just like... I'm not saying it that way, but like... No, I, no, I, I'm, I, just, I'm, just, I'm just poking fun. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I first unlocked Bellacore, when we, when we got told how to get in, I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's like... and, and, and it, it just it, it felt lazy. Um, and there, there's a couple of things in this game that feel a little lazy. Um... Or like, uh, I uh, this is gonna get me laughed at, but I'm I'm admitting it. I am actually nearly done with my review <laughs> of Total War Warhammer Three for a video, but uh, because every time I try and write it, like something new would get figured out and whatever, and I would have to keep changing my opinion, but um, on like various things, but like some of the big standouts to me were it it felt like. It felt like there were really cool ideas happening throughout the game and people weren't on the same page as far as like, like a really good example is there are three very similar systems in the game that function completely differently being the Islavite Adamans, the Ogre Camp Tyrant, and the uh, Caravan Lord of Grand Cafe. In that they are three pseudo-character armies, essentially, that you cannot control, that you are really not supposed to think of them as, like, normal characters. But they all function completely differently to an extent that I think it's bad. Of, like, okay, the Kislevite Adaman you equip to a province and he generates traits every certain amount of turn, but he doesn't generate any experience. And if you try to use him in a battle, all uh, he has the exact same skill tree as a regular boyar. He doesn't have any unique abilities whatsoever. But you can at least like pull him off a city and use him in a fight if you want to, which is the only way he can gain experience. And he can, like, get traits that buff his combat abilities. But if you take him off the province, you get penalized because he's no longer doing the province. Whatever. Then you got the Caravan Lord, who I think is the best of them. Caravan Lord, unique traits. They can come with unique armies. They deal with dilemmas. They pick up unique traits. They gain experience. They have a, a very similar skill tree to the whatever the regular Cathay Lord is called. But it is slightly different. They do have some unique skills. Um, and then you have the Ogre t Camp Tyrant, who is by far the worst. Absolute yeah. garbage. Doesn't have a skill tree. Um, doesn't have unique traits. You can't, like, pick what, the what kind of tyrant it is. He can't equip heroes. 
So he can't have any kind of like hunters. He can't have wizards. Um, he's and he can't move at all. So he's literally just a. He's basically a major city that you spawn in an area, whose garrison you have to pay for. Which like he yeah you could build up to like ninety percent reduced upkeep, which is cool. But he has to pay maximum, like practically maximum price for recruitment cost. Which, what the fuck? That's so expensive! Like, it is so expensive to get a 20 stack. And, like, those are super vulnerable paces that if they get destroyed, it sucks! Because you just yep. lost all that progress. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, why is that Ogre Tyrant not have a skill tree? Why can he not have unique traits? Oh, like, why is the adamant not gaining regular experience? Like, every single one of those guys should have a skill tree. They should have at least some unique skills, and they yeah. should have, like, that cool trait system. Um, yeah. the, the Ogre Tyrant camp is so incredibly boring, I, I don't even have the words for it. Like, the yeah. camp itself is fine, but the, the Tyrant, unbelievably boring. I was shocked how boring and just basic that system is yeah i mean it, it's just it, it's so many issues when it comes to stuff like that uh some of them for me are, are just plain uh basic like a lot of people wouldn't complain but um and don't get this wrong i don't hate the game but i like pointing out its flaws because i want the game to get better like this is something uh which uh i hadn't noticed and now I hadn't noticed until Tariff posted a video, and now I can't stop looking at it. The fucking boyars all have the demon gun. Yeah, that, uh, it, well, it's just a silly oversight, right? Like, it's just, it's a silly oversight that, yeah. you know, not hard but, to fix. But, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, there are a number of little, like, minor nitpicks I have. Like, Greasis is kind of small. Like, he's really not big. Yeah. Like, when you look at him, if you were to, like, I maybe I could ask Tariff to do this. If you were to stand up his model next to a regular ogre, it seems like he'd be practically the same size. Which he yeah. shouldn't be. He should be much larger. Like, yeah. he's he's the shockingly obese. Yeah. Um. Like, where's my where's my obesity, man? <laughs> where's my diabetes? But, um, like, also, like, uh, the, the Erskine, the bear mount for Zarboris. Like, slightly unique, but it's the exact same size and color of the vast majority of the other bears. That's very yeah. boring. Like, yeah. you should be bigger. Katarin not getting her, um, her sledge. Yeah. Boring. Um, it's strange. And, and, and some of the decisions just don't make sense. Like, Katarin getting insanely, insanely impressive beautifully crafted unique animations on foot why <laughs> why would you do this yeah. like it's she doesn't have the ice witch animations or the ice main completely 100 unique animations yeah for a lord on foot which is so i i don't understand what the logic was there they made her have like silver surfer animations when if you have her on foot She's a sitting duck. A bloodthirster will come in and destroy her within seconds. Like, you want to have her on a bear, or, you know, a sled would be nice, but, like, even with just the bear, 
I see why the bear is so valuable now, but we'll still hate don't... it. Like yeah. it's, it's, it still feels so flanderized. Yeah. Like I putting the ice witches and ice mains on bears, I, I still think was a massively horrible decision. You know, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause when we learn about, um, obviously the law has changed for Gizlev, but bear riders, we didn't have contingents of bear riders well, like that. It's, like, it's so an person thing, right? You know, it's an ursonite yeah. cult thing. The patriarch yeah. rides bears. Okay, that makes sense. They're they've got ursonites with them. The ice witches are not religious. They're secular. Yeah. It's very specifically like for the vast majority of them, they're secular. Yeah. Like I so, can understand Katarin having kind of a thing for a bear. Like I I could see the argument. Uh, uh, Katarin could have a bear mount as an option. Like I could see that for dad. Yeah. But yeah. like the rest of them, <laughs> it's ah. too much. It's too much. It is honestly too much. It's something which uh, I, I feel a lot. Uh, I, I, I like now I can start nitpicking with the game more, and it's like, well, everything's the same. You know, we got cultists, but no unique mounts that are available. That are available. I you actually kind of, I actually kind of like the cultists having boring mounts. <laughs> I know sure it's not, have unique mounts. I, I just. I don't know. I, I feel I feel like they're like supposed to be like super basic bitch soldiers. Yeah, but if they are being summoned by this greater demon, right? That, you know, you do. I, I okay. I'll I'll rephrase. I I would like to see them have like whatever like the most basic demonic mount is could be cool. Yeah. I could, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So like, do I need like a corn guy? Well, I guess a juggernaut is the smallest mount weirdly um but like you know a cultist on a juggernaut fine cultist on like a palanquin of nurgle fine a cultist on a steed of slanesh fine cultist on a disc okay whatever um, yeah. but like anything bigger than that no no but that would be cool that would be fucking cool yeah, i do like and... the chaos steeds as an option though because that armor is nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but um i will say that like I, i'm not as worried about the chaos stuff because I feel like a lot of the mortals of chaos, like we're probably waiting for a warrior chaos overhaul that's going to address a lot of that. Um, mm. And they're just kind of like, I feel like most of the mortal stuff is just sort of stand in at the moment. Yeah. But, but there, there is a lot of issues in the game. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm in the same boat with Nathan. I like, I feel like I'm nitpicking. Like uh, I overall, I'm having a ton of fun with the game. Like I'm literally just thinking about like, man, I kind of want to play a scrap campaign or work on my scrap campaign after this. However, there, there are some notable issues, but like most of the major issues, I think the races are fine. I, I wouldn't say any of them are particularly great, but they're fine. Um, like, and to me, it, to me, it feels on par with the release of Warhammer One, Warhammer Two. If you took me back in time to Warhammer Two, I would have said it's got problems, but it's fine. Like the races are fine. Like they're kind of boring, but they're fine. Um, I get that, but there's issues there with, like, say, for example, the campaign. If you're playing Cafe, you've got to deal with um, the usual bullshit of, like, Toll War and all that. Then you've got to deal with the Realm of Chaos. Then you've got to deal with the factions, uh, the Chaos factions spawning and attacking you constantly. I'm doing three different campaigns at the same time, basically. Same thing with uh, Kislev. Kislev, you have to do the uh, pseudo-civil war, because they don't, it's not really a civil war. And also do the rifts. So if you fuck off into the realms of chaos, Constantine, if you're playing as Catherine, is busy getting buddy buddy with everyone else, getting all the um, uh, the patrons and all that type of shit. And it's like, 
One or the other, man. One or the other. I I do think the Realm of Chaos should be a toggle, to be honest. It should. Uh, I, I do agree with that. Um, I also agree that... I think a lot of that could honestly just be solved by turning off a player bias and just have like the AI focusing on its own crap and like smacking its own neighbors and stuff. It just, the player bias just doesn't make sense to me in the modern game. Like I could see how it made sense maybe when there were like less factions or the map was smaller and other shit like that. But in, in game three, especially it feels like such an unnecessary system. And it definitely exists. Like, I I mean, I've seen the AI come from, like, hilariously far away and ignoring a lot of enemies yeah. just to come mess with the player. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's... I mean, the, the best, uh, well, not the best, but the worst way to experience player bias is when you start the campaign as the, um, as the Demon Prince. Because right from the beginning, you've got Nordland, the Laurel Elves, and some other factions just being a pain in your ass just at the very beginning. And it's like, well, this is not fucking fun. It's, it's just dealing with everything whilst you're also fighting with Norskins and so on. It's like, this is turn 10, and I can't expand because I'm doing that, but then I've also got ready, I've got to get ready because in 20 turns, the first fucking uh, roar is going to happen. And it's like, fuck me, man. It's a bit much. Yeah. I mean, I... There are elements of that I really enjoy, but I also fully acknowledge that I am a player that has a much more, like, castle type of system. Like, I like to take a fairly small amount of territory and just build up and defend. That's yeah. my play style, generally. So it's much more favorable to someone that plays the game like I do yeah. than people that tend to be, like, much more aggressive expansion. Like, I think that's why Legend hates it so much. Is that it is a it is a brutally punishing system if you are an aggressive player. The thing is, um, and uh, this is why I uh, like I agree with um, some of the stuff he said. Um, you know, I kind of want to play total war. I don't want to do like I've done the story. I've done the story so many times. I can recite the fucking things constantly, and it, it's just I just want to play total war. This is why, like, I know, like, this is why I'm not saying it's a bad game. Because, like, the factions are cool. Yes, they need to fix a few because Sonesh is just abysmal at the moment because, like, the chariots fucking suck. <laughs> I, I thought the Sonesh was super OP when I played them, but maybe this is fake. The chariots aren't doing proper damage. The chariots, like, the, the, the mass system is just not working for, for Sonesh at the moment. Uh, if you use other stuff, like, for example, Soul Grinders and Keeper Secrets, uh, obviously Heart Seekers are really fucking good. But, like, yeah, the Calvary is very strong. Yeah, but there's no reason to use the um, uh, the normal chariots barring the exalted uh, seeker chariot, which that one works all right. But like, I don't think it's a bad game. I don't think it's a bad game. I think the campaign is bad. I think the game is good. And yes, there's some issues which will hopefully get resolved. But I think that the game in general is good. A lot of people want Immortal Empires because they want to play. Um, they just want to play. They just want to. They don't want to think about a story. They don't have to think about saving some fucking Yogi Bear because he's managed to get trapped because, I don't know, Bellacor activated his trap card or something. They just want to play. And I, I, I want to do that. Like, it gets to the point that I, when I'm playing Total War, I'm free now. I've got that mod. I've got that mod. I, I'm, I've played that story too many times. It's the same story. If we would have had much more different things, but the most cases, the, the cutscenes are the same, man. 
Cutscenes yeah, are the same. And I um I I agree with certain parts of that. I don't agree with all of it. Like personally, I am very glad they tried something different. Um it obviously it's not working for everyone. Um a lot of you know, everyone's uh different strokes for different folks and stuff. Um I very much like the story driven campaign. Um I like it a lot. However, it feels unwise to have had the main campaign for the flagship Warhammer 3 have been this. It seems like it would have been better to have a more traditional system and then the Realm of Chaos as an alternate campaign. Um I I I feel like because there is no traditional Total War campaign, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb in a bad way for a lot of people. I don't yeah. mind it. I really, really like it. I, if anything, prefer it. Um, I, I, like, I like having a narrative that I'm pursuing. However, um, it's also, like, in a lot of ways, weaker. That it, It's weird. It's weaker than the Total War Warhammer 2 narratives. Because in Total War Warhammer 2... You've got like four unique, four to five unique cutscenes per faction because every single time you completed something, you got a unique cutscene. Yeah. Um, granted, it wasn't like about your character; it was just about your faction. Um, and in this game, you get your legendary lord gets a really big, cool cutscene at the beginning, and then it's just the same thing for all the demon prince souls. And then the ending cutscenes in my in the vast majority of cases feel like they're just not done. Like they feel super weird. Um, I I have been very disappointed with the ending cutscenes to almost all the campaigns, uh, because I saw Caterins, which feels like it was actually finished. Yeah. Um, and then I saw the rest of them, and they feel like they're not finished, and it's it's yeah. it's odd. Um, yeah. Like the only thing I can uh, literally the only thing I can assume is they ran out of time. Um, well. That's the thing, but like, look, the, the reason why they probably did the big narrative is because they wanted to do a big thing. You know, they were planning with for Game Pass and all that, and they wanted to appeal to a broader audience because narrative sells. Yes, narrative does sell. But. It's kind it, of a weak narrative, though. <laughs> like, yeah. For that to be like the flagship, you know, the it's it's yeah. not a very good foundation stone just because. CA. CA, I really like the narrative stuff they've put in this campaign, but especially in the Realm of Chaos campaign, while there is a narrative, it has to be, or at least they treat it like it has to be, insanely weak because they want it to still be a sandbox. You know, um, like it's not that well structured. Because it's like, oh, well, you have to be able to do it in whatever order you want and whatever, all this stuff. So, like, there's not really, I don't know. I There's just, I, I think if maybe it was like every time you beat a Demon Prince, you got to have, like, a unique cutscene about your character and react, like, beating them and having to react to it. You know, if the end of the campaign, like, Bellacor just fucking vanishes. I think it yeah. would have been way more interesting to have like a cutscene of your character like killing Bellacor and how that goes down, and then have the Ursin confrontation. Um, 
I just don't know what happened there. Um, but there are, are a lot of... The game has an insane, just truly insane amount of potential. Yeah. And there is a lot of good to it, but I have... I fully agree that if it is you play it and you're not hooked by the play style that is available, it's very suffocating. Yeah. I mean, the way I'm really like the way I'm telling my review is get the if you buy the game, you have two hours uh to hop into a campaign. Doesn't matter who, just hop into a campaign, play around with it a little bit, and if you go, you know what? I I really want to be able to just like expand or I really want to be able to play this like Warhammer 2's Immortal Empires or a regular Total War game. This is not the game for you right now. I would I would refund it or just take a pass on it for right now, come back or just leave it in your library and come back once they've updated it a bit. Yeah. Um cuz I mean we're 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 in that inevitable point where hilariously the worst part of every Total War game is release. <laughs> like every single one of them um they are at their absolute most garbage when they come out and then they get steadily better and better and better and better and better um but that's the problem though and i'm going to say this as uh as as a fan of total war it's exhausting when that happens like there is no shame there is no shame in delaying it Delay it. If you have to delay it, delay it. Because people want to just play the game and have fun. Well, and if there, there's no shame, but there are deadlines and people who don't give a crap that call those shots. You yeah, know, it's not yeah. like CA's boss. They've got Sega to worry about and all this other crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, it, it's just that, like, they delayed it once. Could you imagine if the game would have released if they didn't delay it? Like that, my, my like, because like we don't know exactly what state that game was, but how long was Garbage, the delay? Presumably, <laughs> when they, exactly. When, how long ago was the delay? How long ago was the delay? Uh, did they announce it in what? Uh, they announced it in like September, September or something. Yeah, something like that. So if they would have released it in twenty twenty one. Holy crap, I can only imagine in what state that game was if it warranted the delay then. And it's still come out like this now. It must have been much worse. Now, uh, this is not me talking down to CA. I was, I'm actually very thankful that they delayed it. A lot of people got mad when, when they announced it, but I, I thought, well, you know, if, if it warranted a delay, it's obviously there's a reason. But it's, it's just a worry. It's just a worry. How long is this going to take to fix? How long is this going to take to fix? Well, I I think that depends on what you define as a fix. Like, if you're asking how long is it going to be before I can play this game like like a kind of like a Mortal Empire scenario where like I can disable the rifts and everything. Uh, if CA is willing to allow a turn off the rift system, you probably only have to wait like a month, two months. Oh, yeah. We we have that now with a mod and it works perfectly. Well, great, but that's, you know, that's a mod and we don't have a mod workshop right now. So for most people, that's like kind of a... Uh, oh, no, no, I get that. I get that. But my uh, my worry is, say, for example, rather frustrating bugs, like when you put, um, when you, when you um, get units um, 
in a group and you send them into uh, when they're in a locked group and their pathfinding just dies because they can't move around the, uh, the minor settlements. That's something really frustrating because your units just start going around in circles like if they've had eight shots of whiskey in one go. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of these games, unfortunately. Like, even at the end of Total War Warhammer 2, like, you can go boot it up right now. Game's got bugs. <laughs> yeah, like, game's, game's got, got bugs. But then they announce, say, for example, there's no gate bug, but there is a gate bug. So what happened? Did the patch just bring back that gate bug? Could be. Does that not get tested just to see, oh, look, this is coming back? This is, this is what, like, is what's confusing to me. Again, I still think the game is good, but, well, like, because I, I, I think such this... a, is such a complex topic. Because, like, when you're dealing with, like, finding a bug, it's like, you have to be able to have a bug that can be replicated very easily. Someone has to notice it and then like draw attention to it and then there has to be some kind of fix made for it which like at least in my experience with the game like and granted this is this i could just be super stupid i'm just saying my experience i have not encountered i encountered one bug that i could repeat and it's already been fixed which was yeah. that when i would play a demon prince fight with ogres the music would cut out um, until the demon prince spawned that's already been fixed so yeah. like i have not like i don't know what the gate bug is um in that like i haven't had any problems with gates uh, the gate bug is uh the same thing that we had in warhammer 1 and 2 uh where you can have a hero basically stand at the gate and it just kills off the ai pathfinding for the enemies uh it's it's a, it's a weird thing. I've had uh, strange bugs where I uh, went to do Greasers' campaign. This was on a live stream. The match started fine, and then it threw me out of the game. I came back on. Everything was a black screen. You couldn't see shit all. Like, just very faint things, and it was just flashing and stuff, and it was like, what the hell is this? this like, my computer isn't bad. My computer is pretty good. I only got it like freaking at the end of twenty. What I heard, like, it's not the bad computers that are suffering; it's the good ones. <laughs> yeah, but why is modern tech fucking suffering? Is it not like yeah, fine, yeah. Uh, it could be the case that they haven't been able to test with a lot of people and so on, and what or all the other. But it's just it's it's strange, man, and it put, it disheartens me. To like make content sometimes and so on because I love this series, but holy crap, there are problems. And you know, like they announced, uh, they announced one point one. This is the uh, patch that they have planned after this, right? But there's there's no estimation and so on. And CA, uh, a problem with CA is that they they always super top secret, like you said. You know, they always have to be quiet about things. And I think what what the community wants is just a little bit of transparency. It doesn't have to be access to a beta or whatever, but a little bit of transparency would be nice. Yeah. And I, I don't agree with that, or I don't disagree with that. Um, like I, I would love, I would really love to get, even if it's not about DLC, I would love to get a roadmap as far as like, okay, like here's patch 1.0 and Here's what we're focusing on with it. And then patch 1.1 is going to focus on this. 
and then maybe there's like a secret DLC after that and stuff like I honestly I care much more right now about what the patch schedule is than I yeah. do about the new content schedule. Yeah. Um just to get the game as stabilized as possible. Because yeah. with what and what's so weird about it and like puts puts all of us, but me especially, I think in a weird position is how unique a lot of the problems are to each specific person in their system. Like, because to reiterate, like, I don't have any problems in this game. Yeah. Like, I don't have any bugs that I noticed. Like, and if I do have a bug, like, I literally just reload, like, a quick save and it's gone. Like, I have, I have encountered bugs where I have tried to recreate them. Because, like, I've tested for games in the past. So, like, I've, I've repeated the exact same thing I did and it, it worked fine. And it's like, oh, okay, and moved on. Um, and it it's so weird that the game is like vastly, vastly different experience for different players, which is why yeah. like one thing I want to iterate to anyone that's like listening or watching is like try not to like if when you're discussing the game and stuff, like everyone's having a very different experience. So you know when you're discussing it, keep in mind that like the Warhammer three you're playing could be totally different from the Warhammer three they're playing. So, like, if you meet someone that seems really, really frustrated with the game and you're like, why is this person so frustrated? They're overreacting. Well, maybe from their perspective, they're not. Um, Because maybe from their perspective, the game is literally unplayable. (laughs) Um, But, like, I mean, I would really recommend for people that unless you're just a diehard Total War Warhammer fan, like, you're, like, a huge fan of one of the races that's in the game, or um, you just, like, you just catch every release and all that stuff, I honestly would skip this game for right now um and just like keep playing total war warhammer 2 or go play one of the like billion other games that came out this month um and maybe come back in one or two months um because it just it's just it's gonna take time it it sucks and and like that that's just the unavoidable truth it's gonna take time um which i know there are a lot of people that don't want to hear that you like i've seen the posts on reddit i've seen stuff of people being like oh you know there's only 10k people playing um this close after release like is the game gonna like crash and burn and die and stuff i i don't think that's honestly a worry for this game um because this is one of those games that when they drop a big content update and it's like oh things are fixed and there's a new dlc people come back like in droves um the problem is that it had a much uh and this this is why i know people are worried right and i sympathize with why they're worried the drop was massive because day one was great, right? Like 160-something thousand people just on Steam. That's massive. That's massive launch. And I think like Andy Hall said it was uh, through uh, the services in China. It was like 3 million people in one day and something. Like, holy crap, you know, those are some big numbers. And then it's just like down, right? And it is a massive down. And people are going, oh, yeah, it's because Dying Light released around that time. Elden Ring released around that time. It's like, yes, they could be factors. They could be factors, too. I would go so far as to say they are notable factors, but they might not be the only factor, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's impossible to just say that's the only factor. It's, there, are, there are very notable issues with the game. There are, uh, it all kind of joins up. 
The drop to me was kind of scary. The drop to some other content creators that I've spoken to is kind of scary because uh, we notice it when we talk about stuff. And like, there was one thing which I didn't like when CA said uh, about like when they, I think it was one of the more recent blogs. It's like, oh yeah, we'll talk about Immortal Empires and DLC soon, blah, 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 right? It's like, no, no. Talk about how you're going to fix the game first because I don't want a DLC just yet. And a lot of people are going, oh yeah, Immortal Empires will fix this. Like, Immortal Empires will not fix the issues. Immortal Empires needs to come with the issues fixed. You know what I mean? Well, I, I disagree only because I don't agree with this philosophy. I just know it's their philosophy, which is that when it comes to CA, they, they seem to live or ride or die um, by the idea that um, patches should come with content. Unless it's like an itty bitty patch. Um, it always comes like tied to some major piece of DLC. Uh, and that's just the way they do things, which is frustrating, especially for the multiplayer community who want way more consistent patches. Um, and I, I, I don't think that's going to change. Um, I, I, I think like, like they've already, they've already announced that they're working on a patch 1.1. Uh, which they've noted is going to change a lot about the Chaos Realms, the negative traits you get from the Chaos Realms, the rewards you get from the Chaos Realms, Rift Management, uh, balance tweaks, bug fixes, including the supply line bug. Like, they're already talking about it. And um, I I am kind of expecting it to come with a piece of content because that's just, that's just how they do things. I, I don't think it's a good thing. Uh, I think it would be much better if they just patched as they had time. But clearly they kind of seem to have this almost like evolving system where the same time they're working on fixes, they're working on putting new stuff in as they're fixing. But it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of a lose-lose in the sense that like, let's say they did dedicate a whole patch to just purely fixing stuff and there was no new content. So like we get like a, like a month's worth of work no new content to show for it. It's just fixes. And then the next month they drop a DLC. I just think it's just, it's just painfully inevitable that that DLC is going to introduce some weird shit. That's going to cause unexpected bugs. Cause that's, it's just how game design seems to work is that they put something into the game and they don't, they, from what they can tell, there is absolutely no reason that it should cause like, some random chariot in the game to turn invisible, but it does. <laughs> it just causes a weird issue. Um, so I, I, I think because of the nature of the game, it just doesn't make, unfortunately, it doesn't work for them to focus purely on patching. Like it's, it's, it's just this inevitable tie-in of it's going to have stuff with it. So in that sense, new DLC will fix the game. Immortal Empires will fix the game because that's where the fixes are going to be. Fair, fair. But let's say, okay, we're, we're a month in, okay? Uh, by now, we already have a DLC. It's usually blood. So would that not warrant a patch? Uh, where, where is blood? Obviously, they've probably delayed it because now everything's going uh, tits up and all that. But you know what I mean? It's, it's a month oh, yeah, in. I'm Hey, I would love to know where blood is, but, but I, I think the most important thing we can do as 
people who just like the game and are trying to hold on to our mental sanity while everything else in the world that's going on right now is going on is just to have um, I don't want to say patience because I think that's just a stupid way to put it but to have realistic expectations and to worry about the things that we can control <laughs> which is we can't control it yes that's fine the only problem is like Unless I'm playing with that mod, um, I just don't want to fire up the game. There's also some other issues. Have you seen, um, there's a specific map in Cafe, a battle map, where if your chariot's right over it, they, they fly for a little bit, and then, boom, dead. I've, I've heard about it, and I'm going to be honest, that's one of those bugs that I think is more hilarious than anything else. Like, just because it's so niche, um, it's just... I, I have not seen it myself, but I've I have heard about those legends. Um yeah. to me that that makes me giggle more than anything. Like that's just that's just stupid. I don't because apparently apparently there is some there's some gravity system regarding um damage. Um which is just, it's just I, I'm sorry, I just find that silly. Like to me that's almost a delightful bug <laughs> more than like a really problematic one. It's delightful until you have a character who's not just uh, immortal yet. You're playing legendary. The character dies and either you're forced to kind of save scum or just power through. And it, I, hey, I get that. Like, I, I've literally played streams in the past where I had a bug where, like, my vampire lord on a zombie dragon landed on a wall and he just, he just literally clipped through the wall and died instantly. And, like, it sucks, but, like... It just my, is my, what it is, man. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's what it is. My main, uh, my main fear is uh, mainly because, like, say, for example, that there's some stuff coming into effect. Like, there's been a lot of data mining and so on, right? And um, one thing with the data mining is... Uh, <clears throat> a little too much data mining, if you ask me, but yeah. Yeah, well, th that's their fault for leaving files in there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but when you go into those files, some of the stuff, some of the factions and all that are balanced to pre-patches and pre-reworks and so on. So that kind of worries me. It's like, oh, are they going to have to just like rebalance everything? Does that mean that we might not have the potion of speed working for immortal empires? That's what worries me, you know? Like, what, what, what's, what's happening? I mean, I, I understand the worry, but... The only thing I can say to that is it's it's just not worth worrying about. Like this, just we just we don't know. Like we don't know, we can't know. Yeah. And, until yeah. it happens, and it's just I just don't think it's worth it. I just don't think it's worth the worry. Yeah, but like that's that it's still a genuine worry, and I'm not talking about it just as a content creator because obviously, uh, like I'll be honest, as a content creator, it kind of kills the um the mood for me to to talk about Warhammer and be really excited about Warhammer because it's like, holy shit, man, what's going on? Uh, but as a fan, I'm like, well, this this would be something I would have paid, what, 60 quid for? So I know people have paid 60 quid for that. It's like, well, you paid for a beta, in a sense, you know? Mm, I, I don't... I... I understand your frustration. I don't I don't 
agree with the sentiment, I guess, but I understand. I am empathetic to it. <laughs> now, I, I still have stuff to be excited about because obviously, like, for example, yesterday I talked about uh, Southern Chaos Waste because that's exciting for me. And it's like, oh, you know, that's on the map. So maybe we can see Beast Fiends. You know, that's, that's something really, really cool. It's far in the future if that ever happens because, like, I don't imagine, like, we'll get another D a DLC for Beastmen in all honesty, but you never know, right? Uh, yeah. So there's still some things to be excited about, but it's like, well, I just want to see some things being fixed. It's like, yeah, I, no, I, right now. I will say that I, I 100% deeply like not bullshitting anybody i 100 percent deeply believe everything's gonna be fine just because to me this it's just it's just warhammer 2 all over again it's just it's a different issue but it's the same damn song and dance we've been through before and yeah no, i get it, that it, it in the in the moment it sucks i totally get it <laughs> no complaints you know no argument here um but it's just we just gotta wait it out that's all there is to it so yeah, I know, that's, that's I get that. literally all we could do. I get that. But look, uh, from my perspective of playing so many Total Wars, I love Total War, right? I love Total War because it's, it's, I don't have to, like, I can just chill to play Total War. Day one issues like this shouldn't be happening, but it happens with every Total War. It happened with Troy, it happened with Three Kingdoms, it happened with Warhammer 2. It's like, you guys are a big company, right? And I love and respect CA because they're, they're a big company. They, they do really cool stuff. They do stuff I want to play. But like it's like you see that um, that worry coming in because why is this happening? Why is this happening? Well, if we get like a, another historical next year or whatever, right? Is that going to have the same day one issues? Is that going to have new day one issues? That are just going to make it, it fun? <laughs> to be honest, I bet on it, yeah. That's, that's what worries me. That's what worries me. Because I love the game. I still think the game is good. This is the thing, right? For me, I think the game is good. It just needs to remove the bugs and have it like a toggle or bring out Immortal Empires ASAP. I don't think we're going to get that. Like, I don't think it's going to happen soon because, well, we still don't have blood yet. And But, you know, like... I just want the game to be good. I just want to enjoy myself. I want like I want my friends, I want my viewers to enjoy themselves because I want to talk about Warhammer. Warhammer talking about Warhammer is fucking cool, man. But it is weird. It's in a everything is in a weird place. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's I I cannot express enough that it's totally valid. Look at the game and just go, really not feeling this. I don't like where it's at right now. Go do other shit for a while. And hopefully, you know, it'll get fixed or it'll get cleaned up to an acceptable level sooner rather than later. That, that's just that's something everyone's going to have to go through. Like, I'm I'm at a point where I look at the game and I go, this is great. I like playing this. I'm going to keep playing it. But there's going to there's gonna be quite a few people out there. Tons of people who are going to look at it and go, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. No, no, I, I get that, right? Um, I still think, like, I still have hope, right? Unless everything happens, but like I get worried, and this is nothing against CA. I know people at CA. I talk to people at CA. They're lovely people, right? But I no, they're now, terrible people. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, I now have that paranoid feeling ever since that fucking the future of Free Kingdoms came out. Ever since that video, now I get worried. 
I would only worry about that if Warhammer 3 is still like this in like a, a full year. I give it a full year. If we're still here a year from now, okay, yeah. I think that's a legitimate fear. But I, until then, I still have that feeling though. I still worry. I still worry because that came out of the fucking blue. Last thing we had for Free Kingdoms was a pretty good DLC in all honesty. Like South South's mechanics were fucking great. You know, they did say there is new stuff coming. They did say there was going to be another DLC and that was going to be like an expansion style DLC. And the next thing we know, oh, look, it's dead. It's like. Yeah, but to be fair, that's the only time that's ever happened. But if it happens once, it can happen again. Lightning does strike twice. Well, yeah, but like, it, you're playing a dangerous game of what ifs. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, I know, 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 I know. And I shouldn't. I'm just saying there's always a possibility. And that's what worries me. That's what worries me. Because I want this game to do well, man. I want to see, see this get massive, and I want to see loads of people playing it to the point that they'll just keep milking for DLC, because I want to see all the characters I played on the tabletop in the game. I'd love to see fucking Warriors of Chaos get reworked, and Norska not being a joke, and, you know, you never know, maybe Ind and Koresh, that would be fucking cool. But I just want to see that type of stuff. I'll say, I'll say this, I'll say this, because I, th I think we're just kind of talking in circles at this point. So I'll say this, and then I think, I think we're, <laughs> we're good to go on to the last segment. But to, just to try and, like, get everyone, I think, on a page of what, what we know is going to happen, right? What we know for a fact is going to happen is that Creative Assembly is going to keep releasing content for this game for at least the next calendar year. They've announced plans for much longer than that, but, you know, obviously the game's a little rough right now. We know we're going to get a blood pack, which is going to make the game feel a lot better. We know we're going to get fixes. We know we're going to get some kind of... We know Chaos Wars are somewhere on the horizon. It'll be very exciting. We know there's going to be whatever kind of weird-ass DLC we're going to get, and Immortal Empires, which of course be a huge deal. Yeah. But some important things to remember, I think, are outside forces that will also be bringing things to the game the game is on game pass it's going to stay on game pass that's a good way for people to try out the game and hype hype's going to build up every time something drops every time a dlc drops there's going to be hype it's just the way it goes and the other thing we have to remember is that this game's release in a way kind of was almost a beta because i think honestly one of the biggest driving forces for this game is going to be the release of Warhammer the Old World. And when Warhammer the Old World drops, that is going to bring a fuck ton of attention back to this game. And a fuck ton of people are probably going to go, oh my god, like I can play this on tabletop now. And then they're going to look at the tabletop prices and go, never mind, I'm just going to play the video game. But <laughs> like, I, I, I think that's going to be a huge moment for us. And I am, I am much more interested in hoping, interested in seeing where we're at when Warhammer the Old World comes out, hopefully sometime later this year or next year, than I am in anything else at the moment. I think that I think that's the big moment to be focused on right now. Yeah. No, no, I get that. I get that. And I have I have faith in CA. They've look, like we go with Warhammer 2. Warhammer 2 was horrible in release and it got better. But like just don't 
shouldn't be happening again. Let's hope that well, like all the rumors. It already has. So that's just something we can do about that. <laughs> I know, I know. But then I think about like future Total War titles. That's what uh, that's gets. That's not me our to. problem. It's not our problem. <laughs> that's, it is. No, it is. Uh, though. Nope, we're, nope, not our problem. <laughs> It is. That, is the, that is future us's problem <laughs> not ours but it's still us say for example if they do a total war 40k not they have that issue well okay now you're just talking to the bad audience because i just don't care <laughs> just i'm i'm at total war warhammer 3 my wherever this ends that's where i end <laughs> that's that's my bubble i just i i just want everything to to work i have faith in ca you know they, they they must be working hard they must be doing that it's just it was a little disappointing that's all i want to say all right that's fair but i think we've beaten that horse well and truly to death so uh we do actually have one last segment because we wanted to end because we we knew that was going to be a bit of a heavy topic so uh we we want to end on a, a fun topic which is that um something uh i thought could be fun is that me and Nathan are adding a new segment to the show, which is basically, uh, I'm basically just calling it like the fluff segment or the, the lore thoughts segment. But basically, uh, we're going to pick an idea or a concept or a theme or something from Warhammer Fantasy. And me and Nathan are going to talk about our favorite of whatever that thing is. And we would love to hear from y'all on Twitter using the hashtag Lorebeards, uh, to A, post your models, uh, but B, feel free to suggest ideas of things you'd like to see us talk about. But uh, because of the Up in Arms book, uh, we thought it'd be cool for me and Nathan to talk about our favorite knightly orders. So uh, we're going to start with uh, Nathan. Nathan, who who is your favorite knightly order? And tell us, tell us some, drop drop some lore knowledge on us. So uh, there's a few that I quite like, but I think one of my favorites are the Knights and Carmine. Uh, they are a knightly order that originate from uh, <clears throat> Talia. Very different to what most of us have seen, because obviously if you look at the knightly orders in Warhammer 2 and so on, uh, they've got like lances and spears and shields. Knights and Carmine think that spears, uh, that shields are for, uh, for pussies. It's literally... <laughs> Dual wielding. If I'm going to block, I'm going to block with my swords. And I think that's cool, man. Oh, they're dual wielding knights. That's actually pretty unusual. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you had to... I think you had to kit bash them quite heavily if you wanted to to make them. Because I don't think the knight kit actually had for dual wields. Yeah, I, uh, it wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah, so they must have had a special... Uh... So, so you say they originated for Tyrion. Were they a dog of war unit? Are they a... Uh... They are counted as a knightly order of the Empire. Uh, presumably they've long moved. It's it's been a while since I've read through their lore in all honesty. But uh, what what I always liked about them is like, oh, these were different. It was different weapon choices. It was just these guys are just badasses that go around right into battle with two fucking blades. You know, you just think of one of those like um, it's edgy, but it's cool, right? Oh yeah. And they had this really cool uh, paint scheme too. It was uh, usually the horses were black armored. But the knights were really vibrant red. Like, you could see them coming at you from a mile away. And I thought that was fucking awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that is it's... a good knightly order. Uh, that's actually such a uh, rare thing, too. Dual wielding on horses um, in fantasy was super rare. Because it was always like, 
oh, you know, you got to hold on with something, uh, which is what made uh, Savage Orcs such a big deal because Savage Orc Boar Boys were one of, I think, the only units in tabletop that were mounted dual wielders. Um, the vast majority in tabletop could not do that. Uh, so that that's a very, very cool niche. Um, for me, I got to go with, uh, I believe it's the, uh, the, the Raven Knights, or Knights of the Raven, uh, which are one of the Morite orders. Because I, although there are many secular, uh, I, I actually believe the vast majority of knightly orders are secular, um, there are a number of religious ones. Um, yeah. The Knights of the Blazing Sun are probably the most famous example, um, also like the White Wolves of Ulrich. Um, yeah. or those, those are the two biggins. But um, the Knights of the Raven are Morite, uh, which Moor is the god of death and the god of dreams and all that other stuff. And I, I adore Moor. Yeah. I, I like Moor. There we go. Um, and because the thing about his knights is they're super anti-undead. But because they have to deal with so much just like magic bullshit and endless legions of uh, zombies and skeletons and all that stuff, which honestly are a pretty hard counter to knights in a lot of situations. Like the thing about the undead is you're dealing with like massive hordes where just going in on a big charge is probably a bad idea because you're basically just slamming into chaff that don't feel anything and they're not afraid. So they're not going to give like, yeah, you'll smash through some bodies, but then you're surrounded by undead and they just start, you know, tearing you off your horses and stabbing you to death and stuff. Um, so the Knights of Moor in many ways have adapted to counter the undead by learning unique methods of fighting. And the, the Knights of the Raven are the much more aggressive of the Morite orders. The other being the, uh, I believe it's the Black Guard, um, who are uh, more defensive. Um, they're more like they hang out and if they hear about necromancy and stuff, they go out to deal with it. But the, um, the Knights of the Raven... Um, are very aggressive like they they are constantly going out and searching for information about the undead and they have this whole tenant where if they see an undead it is one of their vows that they have to destroy it <laughs> no matter like if they're ready for that or not yeah. and the other thing i love about them is they're based in sylvania um their main headquarters are in essen which you may recognize if you've played total war warhammer as one of the major or one of the minor cities in the eastern sylvanian province um, and another, uh, I think it's Sieg, Sieghoft, or Sieghord, uh, which is another minor uh, city. But the thing that's really, really cool about them is they fight dirty. They are dirty fighting knights. So yeah, yeah. sure, they, you know, they wear this full scary black armor, and they're very imposing looking, and they've got shields and lances and stuff, but they use crossbows, <laughs> which I absolutely love. They are knights that are huge on shooting weapons. So they are actually some of the deadliest crossbow marksmen in the empire because they're so carefully trained in it and the reason they are so focused on that is because they know that when you're dealing with a, vam a vampire or especially necromancers often the best way to murder them is from a distance and uh so they just have this great system of they're super spooky looking they wear black armor covered with like skulls and all this other nightmarish imagery and then they come charging into the battlefield with the typical weapons but then they also use like these really what other knightly orders would think of like as cheating or not not chivalrous or whatever. They use like weapons that most knights would be like, Argh. and I just I love it. Like the idea yeah. of some necromancer or something being trying to cast spells and he's just like, 
bitch and just murks them <laughs> from a distance. It's great. It's, like it's great. The, the scene from uh, it's like Indiana Jones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, some undead's like showing off, and he's just like, ah, <laughs> just shoots him in the face. <laughs> um, they're they're an awesome knightly order. Um, they're they're most notable from the uh, the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. But yeah. uh, there are, of course, uh, a lot of really great knightly orders, um, which uh, cool thing to end the note on. If you are someone that heard me and Nathan talking about up in arms earlier and you went, man, that sounds really cool. I would love to read that. It is officially out. Right. Now. Already? Yep. I literally bought it while we were talking earlier. Oh, cool. Um, and it has. Oops. Ignore that. Uh, it has. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> what did I do with it? I think I closed it. But it is doesn't have anything on Nostalgia. It is Talea, the history of Talea. Um, in addition to um, knights, how to fight on horseback and stuff. But it's got a whole... So we know, we know, and we've talked about this many times, Cubicle 7 is an excellent predictor of what you will see in Total War Warhammer. Um... It is it is not a coincidence when Cubicle Seven does something. Pay attention, <laughs> yeah. because it might show up until World Warhammer. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's likely it'll show up until World Warhammer. So, what is an entire section dedicated to? Knights of the Blazing Sun, the Knights Panther, and the uh, the White Wolves of Ulrich, which we all know one of the most requested updates for the Empire. Would be to give us the Knights Panther. Uh, oh, sorry, the Knights Panther. Uh, I think I said that. But the Knights Panther and the White Wolves of Ulrich. Give them to us. Give me my Mindenheim DLC, and give me my Knights Panther as like a free LC update. Because those are the three. Those are the three biggins. Like if you're yeah. ever talking about the Empire and you're talking about knightly orders, those three they are the kings of the knightly orders. Yeah, it's fucking Tommy. Um, so I, uh, I'm gonna be reading through that uh, as I get lunch after the podcast. But yeah, um, yeah this was fun. Um, yeah. uh, is there if anyone in chat has kind of a last second question, we can pick that up. But uh, Nathan, any any kind of closing thought? Uh, well, let's do this the right way. Anything coming up on your schedule before next Sunday? No idea. Uh, well, I've started twi- uh, streaming on Twitch recently, uh, so that's been kind of fun. Been playing Dying Light slash uh, Great Book of Grudges, the Great Book of Grudges. There you go. Okay, uh, is it Great Book of Grudges or the Great Book of Grudges? <laughs> the Great Book of Grudges. Okay, right, let, me com- let me let me let me confirm because like uh, I'm still very new to that world and it's confusing and I'm very very much like trying to figure out the Great Book of Grudges. Yeah. Okay. So, ah, I just got a alert. I don't know what the hell that was. Make sure to go was... follow. Make sure to go follow Nathan. www.twitch.tv/slash The Great Book of Grudges. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm either getting follows. Let me just mute the alert box. Oh my god, that was loud. <laughs> ah, right. Oh, dude, sorry, dude. You gotta mute your alerts. <laughs> you're gonna trust me. You're gonna kill yourself otherwise during it's during definitely... podcasts. It is deafening. It is absolutely deafening. Are you using Are you using um, Streamlabs? Yeah. Okay. Do you know how to edit the volume? You can edit the volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll figure that out. Thank okay, you. And, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just a quick note. What have you, what have you been streaming? Uh, Dying Light. Uh, Dying Light 2. I've been playing some zombie stuff just to give me, stuff, uh, give me a panic attack and all that. Uh, fun? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really... Uh, it's really fun, man. I, I like it. Uh, it's got really sad quests, which uh, I've been playing with my heartstrings. There's just one that almost made me cry, legitimately almost made me cry. Uh, but, like, it is, uh, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Uh, other than that, uh, I've been watching a few games because my community has been doing a little uh, take on Warhammer Crusade, uh, but making it for Warhammer Fantasy, and that's been really interesting to watch. So, well, you know, the... Next time. Yeah, it's honestly pretty cool. When is yeah, the next we'll Lorebeards? To... This upcoming Sunday at 10 a.m. Yeah. Central Standard Time. Yeah. Which may be weird for everyone because of time zones. Or because of uh, daylight savings. But uh, we'll we'll figure that out. Anyway. Um, um, and then on my side of things, uh, if you're not already, make sure to follow me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Sotech. Um, I've been hinting at something that's going to be releasing on my YouTube channel on Twitter. Uh, see if you can figure out what it is. Um, but, uh, it's a project I'm really, really excited about. And, uh, hopefully it, it definitely will not be out before next Lorebeards, but is, uh, working on it. Um, uh, and that's pretty much everything. I think I'm streaming a lot, uh, especially cause I'm no longer reading like every damn day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's everything. You got anything? Closing thoughts? Uh, no, are you going to carry on streaming now or are you going to stop? Because I need to talk to you about a few things. Uh, I am going to do a raid and then stop. Okay. So, thanks uh, everyone so much for watching. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.